Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Monday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm the host of this show. Today I've got Tom Peavy and Brant Daughtry alongside of me as we take you through a lot of different topics in the sports world on this Monday. We'll preview the Home Run Derby coming up tonight live in uh, Seattle. Always a fun time of the year with MLB All-Star Week. We'll talk to you about the latest Auburn commitment as Auburn got another commitment this weekend, the 10th of the 2024 class. We'll talk a little bit about that. I know that there are uh, going to certainly be some best and worst of the weekend coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Of course, all your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We'll also hit a little bit on the MLB draft and the implications for Auburn guys drafted, both currently at Auburn and uh, prospective Auburn players that coming out of the high school ranks have already been selected to the MLB draft. So we'll tell you about some of those guys. So a lot of different things to hit on. Maybe a little NBA Summer League 2. Again, Ryan, Brant, and Tom with you here on this Monday. We'll start with you, Tom. I know you had a yep. uh, nice vacation last week. I hope that went well and good to see you again. Vacation did go well, and now I'm back to the real world. Yeah. So it's that – yeah, it, exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, I did have to go to work last night, so I've already kind of gotten a little bit out of my system. Uh, come back in from Florida, take a nap, and then go back to work. So – you know, no no breaks in between. So uh, I, I am glad to be back, though. I mean, it was down, it was nice down in Florida, nice uh, to do some fishing and, uh, you know, everything that you do down in Florida. But uh, back at it and uh, ready to talk about the sports world. Absolutely. Several things to talk about today. And uh, you you did end up going to that air show in Pensacola Saturday, right? Is that part I, of it? Yeah, I did. We went to the Pensacola air show. Uh, and uh, – so I, a lot of people down there. Yeah. Lots and lots of people. Um, we have to do a best and worst later on in the show, so I, I'm not going to go into too much details, but okay. I, mostly a good time. It was a thing that happened, but... Mostly a good time. Okay. All right. Brant Dontry also on the show, fresh from uh, Perry, Georgia, where he uh, just uh, was home for the weekend <laughs> and got back, I don't know, about 10 minutes ago. Brent, how are you doing? Yeah, like I usually do when I when I visit home for the weekend. I'm kind of running in at the buzzer here, and uh, this is probably the closest I've cut it uh, since I started doing this show. But yeah, I had a great weekend uh, visiting friends and family back in uh, in Houston County, Georgia. I uh, had, had a great time doing that, and uh, yeah, glad to be back in Auburn. Uh, I'm very tired because I didn't sleep very much, uh, but that's usually what happens when I go that way. So uh, looking forward to getting back on track for the week. 
Well, uh, I know that sometimes the, the travel can necessitate a, a, a lack of sleep. So yeah, th- three short hours, we're going to be optimistic, three short hours, and then you can return <laughs> to your place of dwelling and get some good rest tonight. Uh, we're we're going to talk about several different things as alluded to. I uh, want to start before we get to our first phone call with the new Auburn commit. Uh, as I know, a lot of people want to hear a little bit about that. Auburn over the weekend getting their 10th player of the 2024 class in the form of a three-star defensive lineman, Malik Blockton, out of Pike Road. Uh, Pike Road being not too far from here. Uh, so, again, to go through the listings, one service does have him as a four-star. If you've heard that passed around, that is because Rivals rates him as a four-star. The other three sites rate him as a three-star, totaling out to to the number 459 player in the on three industry ranking guys again a defensive lineman uh, brother of marcus harris uh is malik blockton and again the 10th commitment of the 2024 class robert yeah and another guy who's local like you said pike road no more than what 20 30 minutes away from here so right down the road uh, uh down that way so uh, good that you're getting guys closer to home. You missed on the kid from Phoenix City last week, but uh, you've got Malik Blockton. And like you said, three-star to some, four-star to others. And uh, e- either way, a good talent. Got him uh, over Texas, I believe. So if you're looking at offer sheets, that's the the caliber of program that's going after this kid, regardless of what his ranking is. So good player. Uh, figures to grow into his body a little bit more. Figures to get better uh, as he matures more physically. So uh, hopefully uh, his best football is ahead of him. Again, with Malik Blockton, as you just alluded to, Brant, uh, the likes of Texas, Alabama, Florida, Clemson, or other teams that had offered him and that were in that uh, kind of predictive machine there is getting at least some sort of a half percent, one percent yeah. chance. Well, one thing that we talk about when it comes to these recruits are the those offers. You can look at a kid, and if it's a three-star, some of them have, may have him as a four, some may have him as a three, and you can kind of juggle your three-stars, your four-stars, you can kind of juggle your fours and your fives and try to figure that out. When you look at a kid and you see that he's been offered by all of those schools, even though he is a borderline three- to four-star guy, that tells you a lot. It tells you that he is a high-commodity guy uh, that some folks wanted. And so it's not like Auburn just went out and trying to find a diamond in the rough that nobody wanted. This is a kid that all these other schools also wanted. So it's a good get for Auburn, and they, and they need some momentum after losing out on the wide receiver from Central. And you also wonder with, with players like this, because of all the the high profile schools recruiting Malik Blocked, and you also wonder that, you know, they update the rankings every few months on, on other sites. You also wonder if he ends up moving up some of those rankings eventually uh, or eventually as obviously the rankings not completely stagnant even up until the end of the 2023-24 season. So Malik Blocked and again the tenth commit for Auburn, six three, two fifty-five defensive lineman out of Pike Road, and again, uh, as we've said, multiple big schools such as Texas, Alabama, Clemson were all uh, recruiting Malik Blockton. All right, let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today before we take our first break, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one tiger 9 First up, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you doing today? What's up, What's going on? Hey, buddy. What's up, man? What's the report on Tom today? Uh, Tom's feeling he's feeling okay. He's doing all right. He had a uh, pretty good time at the beach this past weekend, and uh, he's he's not misbehaving so far. Hey, Tom, my, my sister was in Florida with some friends. Oh, yeah? What part of Florida? 
Jacksonville. Oh, Jay, okay, on the other side of the state. I was down on the Gulf Coast. Yeah. And and so 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 hey, yeah, uh, I was going to uh, talk to you guys about uh some of like the 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 player that committed to Auburn. Uh he's related. Didn't his brother play for Auburn? Yeah, Marcus Harris, uh the defensive lineman, yeah. This is this is his last year, right? So they they're saying they they're not gonna play together. But they play on different sides of the the ball, right? They're both not on offense. Uh they're on defense, yeah. And uh Harris is I, I, I think he has one more year of eligibility. I'm I'm not hundred percent sure, but uh but uh yeah, no, his uh his brother will be obviously still a year away from, from getting here. Okay. And another thing is and I'm gonna get on you guys' commitment. First, um Brent, I wanna start with you and then Tom and Ryan you guys can jump in. What do you guys think about the two transfers for softball that Auburn got? Yeah, I think they actually have three transfers right now, and all of them look to be pretty good players. Uh, obviously, uh, some of them coming from smaller programs, so uh, jump, making that jump to the SEC is going to be tough. Uh, but, uh, you know, softball lost a lot of players uh, in the portal in the offseason, so Mickey Dean and that crew has to reload. They got a new coach in there from Oklahoma uh, to be an assistant. So uh, look, th- this is a big season for Auburn softball, and uh, if they're going to do well, they're going to have to get some more players in there and – I, I think this is the start of it. And and um and um Ryan, I mean uh, Tom and Ryan, I want to hear you guys my comments. What do you guys hear about Minta Pena going to a medical school, and then the other player is, that's not coming back for a fifth year? Uh, so I I know that uh, so Maddie Pinta will still be playing for Auburn next year. I I'm, honestly I I don't know what. If she's going to medical school. That's great, but she will still be at Auburn uh, this year and uh, pitching for the Tigers as their ace. I think the other player you're referring to is Carly McConaughey, who uh, you know recently announced that uh, her softball career is over. She will not be pursuing a transfer option, and she will not be using the the extra COVID year uh, at Auburn. And so uh, McConaughey, I'd kind of heard through the grapevine that uh, there was a pretty good chance she was not going to end up returning. I didn't know if she would end up transferring or not, and obviously she's not going to. Uh, and obviously she did not. Uh, she did not like the way that things were handled with Mickey Dean and the coaching staff at the end of her career. As she did not uh, play on Senior Day, she got benched. And I, I will note that she had been struggling. She'd been one for her last twenty-eight to end the season, and uh, obviously the the timing of it. I, I would have loved to seen her out there on Senior Day, and, and that is definitely tough. But um yeah she she feeling that uh that was not not a good situation anymore and that she wanted to to move on and pursue other things in life but hey brent tom and ryan i got a question for you guys would be me my dad and brother went to see on saturday what movie you went to go see Indiana Jones. I was going to guess that, too. Yes. And did you know that this is his last movie he's going to make? Yeah, I, I had heard that. It doesn't really shock me. Indiana Jones, or uh, Indiana Jones. Harrison Ford is getting up there in age, so uh, probably towards the, hey, the hey, last. He's 80 years old. 
Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's an older guy, so probably not going to be doing movies much longer. I believe it was the last Indiana Jones movie he's doing. He's not retiring fully from acting. Yeah, I wonder if they ever make any more Indiana Jones movies who will replace Harrison Ford because he's the best um, in Indiana Jones movies. Yeah, no, I my take would be that it would be an awful long time before they did another Indiana Jones and, and did one without him. Uh, I mean, that character is iconic and there needs to be a certain amount of time that that elapses i mean could they do a spin-off for indiana jones maybe you know that that's something they could end up doing well, but i don't think they'll replace that character with somebody else for a long see, time the other movie i want to see that's coming out july 29th is the haunted mansion i want to see that yeah i saw that it looked like that could be a good movie yeah it, it, it looks real good well hey um what what do you guys think about um, most of the I saw most of the college players have gone to NBA, like a couple players from Auburn, a couple of players from LSU, and um, and what do you guys think about most of the players going to the NBA, and what do you guys think about social media um, for the uh, Tigers? What did he free say? Are you talking about for Major League Baseball? Are you talking about the Major League Baseball draft? Yes. Uh, so, yeah, the, the two LSU guys going 1-2. There was a little drama leading up to it that Wyatt Langford of Florida might end up going number one. Uh, but I think that, um, you know, again, I, I think we had all along those two LSU guys going number one and number two to Pittsburgh and Washington and uh, we can talk a little bit more about it later, but I, I think those are the right picks. And then I know that for Auburn, Cole Foster's the, the currently the only current Auburn player drafted. They got a couple from high school that we'll talk about later. But, you know, I, I think that good for Foster to be pretty early selection, third round still very early compared to how many rounds of this thing they've got. And so uh, good for him and looking forward to, to him trying to carve out a big league career. And um, Tom and Ryan – and Brent, you guys know those. What was the first baseman's um, name? The one that hit the home run for Auburn. He's playing in the. Uh, he's playing for some kind of trash. Oh, um, Sonny Deshera. Yeah, how's he doing? Do you guys have you guys heard? So, so he's playing with the Trash Pandas uh, up in Rocket City. Uh, he was injured for the majority of the season. He's come back now. Uh, I know he did hit a, a home run in Montgomery against the Biscuits, but uh, I haven't seen like his full stats on what he's doing. But I know he's with the uh, the Rocket City Trash Pandas right now. Is he playing first, or do you play in he, DA? Both. He 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 does designator hitter and uh, plays first base. Okay, and um, so have you guys heard anything about? Social media, what he's freezing said. Um, if you guys have, what has he freezing said about the football season so far? Uh, well, I mean, again, on, on social media, I mean, I know he's talked a little bit about some of the recruits and he's talked about some other things. I think in general what he just said about the season, I think a lot – like a lot of people, getting getting ready for his first season, very excited about it. And uh, obviously we're, we're going to hear from him in media days here next week and, and then uh, fall practice will begin shortly after that, so we'll get more. But I'm sure – just like just like all the other coaches, ready and itching to get out there and coach and, and compete this year. I see Spree says like if Thorne is still going to be the starter or Ashford. Yeah, 
yeah, they've not made it any sort of announcement on that, and, and I, I don't think that they would until fall practice actually gets going in August. So I don't know how long into fall practice it would take, uh, and there could be varying opinions there, but I certainly don't think there'll be an announcement until they start practicing. But if one of you guys were the coach for football, who would you guys be, who would you guys pick the, as a starter? Uh, the best player. <laughs> I I, listen, I I honestly think I think Peyton Thorne's going to end up being the starter, but they could get into summer practices and Robbie Ashford could look like a an, an All SEC type guy and Peyton Thorne may struggle, and they give it to him. So I want the best quarterback out there. If it's Peyton Thorne, it's Peyton Thorne. If it's Robbie Ashford, then it's Robbie. But you know, I think Peyton Thorne's going to win the job, but I just want the best guy out there. Yeah. Well, I want to do some trivia. Let's see. What can I do? I didn't do this last time. How about I do some? I do some country trivia. How about that? So yeah. uh, country trivia in that all the countries of the world or country music? What well, I don't. Country music. Country music. All right. Get this. Let's see. I can probably come up with. Some yeah, you, you go for it, Tom. Yeah, I know all the country songs, and I know there's like a favorite, favorite, my favorite country singer. Is Travis Trigg, where I went to high school in Georgia. So um, okay. I like I like Alan Jackson. I um, like Tim McGraw. I like George Strait. Uh, Dwight Yoakam. Uh, Oakwood Voice. Yeah. I can sing. A, I can sing a song from the Oakwood Voice. You guys just name a song from Oakwood Voice, and I'll sing it. Ah, okay. But you want some trivia? Yes, but then hey. I'll sing a song for you guys after a trivia is Elvira, and I'll sing that really. Good. I'll I'll sing that for you guys. Uh, maybe maybe next time on that one, Matt, just because uh, we're going to start to run out of time here. But we do have time for trivia here, real quickly. Okay. All right. Uh, you said Al, You said you were a fan of Alan Jackson. Uh, Alan uh, Jackson. Yeah. Where where did where did he sing a song about way down way down yonder on? No no no, Alan Jackson. Way down in Chattahoochee. There you go. All right, we got that one. You know, what, where is the Chattahoochee River? It's in Georgia. Yeah, it runs between Alabama and Georgia. Yeah, it's in Georgia. The beach site. That's right. I, I, I used to live in Georgia. Oh, okay. I, I'm from Georgia too. I used to live in Oh, okay. I'm from Columbus, Georgia, which is way down yonder on the Chattahoochee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know where Columbus. I used to play softball, play some softball in Columbus. And Savannah, Georgia. I got gotcha. you. All right. Um, uh, what uh, what c- country music artist has a theme park in Tennessee around Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg area? What male or female? It's a female female country artist. That's got to be Dolly Parton. There you go, Dolly World. Good job. Anybody else got a question? Y'all can come up with. Uh, no, I think you're doing a good job, man. Oh. If you want one more, uh, uh, real quickly, yeah. I, I here's your one. What uh, what famous male country singer grew out a beard to cover the scars on his face from where he uh, fell down the side of a mountain? A beard? Yeah, he grew out a beard to cover up facial scars from where he fell down the side of a mountain. Very, very famous country music star from. Back in, well, I say back in the day, he's still alive. 
lot of fam- lot of famous songs this guy wrote. His dad was also a very famous country musician from Montgomery, Alabama. That's gonna be Hank Williams Jr. There you go, Hank Jr. Very nice, Matt. Great job. Yeah. Hey, got next Monday. Uh, if Brooke ever comes on, if Brooke ever comes on to his girlfriend, I will sing Elvira. But JJ's got to come on too. JJ definitely JJ because I want JJ to hear me sing Elvira. Well, I I want to hear I want JJ to hear you sing that because I as high pitched as JJ's voice is, I want him to do the um papa um papa mau mau. I want him to do that part. <laughs> yeah, what? Well, we'll see if we can get those guys at the studio then. Well, hey, hey, Tom, I'm yeah. glad you're behaving. I'm you trying to get get the good work. And, and, and if you guys ever get Brooke. Uh, on here and like I think uh, is it Brent is he your girlfriend named Michelle no that's Tom's girlfriend Tom when are you going to get your girlfriend back on on the on the show so I can ask her so she can hear me singing about her uh, we'll, we'll see we'll try to get her on the show sometime when we're doing a wacky Wednesday well hey I won't be, I can't call on Wednesdays uh, well, I, I'll try I'll try to see what I can do to get her in the studio all right, Matt. We'll have to we'll have to end this here real shortly. Do you want to do the cheer real quickly? Yeah. Are you ready? We're ready. Countdown. Five, four, three, three two, two, one. one. Four eagle. Hey, beat Bama. Three, two, one. Booyah! Hey, I still want to come by you guys' show sometime and meet you guys. I, I get my dad. I asked my dad, and he's like, "No, can't do it." But I'm gonna to try to come by sometime. Sure. Yeah, we'll we'll just see. Uh, we'll see if something can get worked out, man. And, and like, and like uh, James can ask me some of his questions. Jordan and Steve can. And um, I don't mind them asking questions, but uh, yeah, that would be something else, Matt. That would be something else. All right, Matt. Well, we got to let you go today, but we appreciate the call, and we'll talk to you again next week, buddy. Hey, hey good luck on you guys' games next. Uh, you know, rest of the games. We appreciate it. That is Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. A big war eagle to Matt right there. We're going to take our first time out of the show. When we come back, James from Montgomery will join us. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger ninety five point nine. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brent Daughtry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday. Uh, do not have James any longer on the phone lines. If you'd like to call back, we can absolutely accommodate that. Uh, coming up in a few minutes, we'll get to birthdays and sports. Again, on the other side of that break, before the phone call, we were talking a little bit about the new commit for uh, Auburn Malik Blockton, who, again, had a pretty impressive uh, offer sheet there between the likes of Texas, Alabama, Clemson, Florida, and others that committed to Auburn this weekend. Uh, up to 10 commitments in the 2024 class. Also of note, we should mention what's been going on in the Major League Baseball draft when it comes to Auburn as Cole Foster was drafted third round by the uh, Detroit Tigers. Uh, that happened earlier today. The first two rounds were last night. Rounds three through maybe 10 are today and 11 through the 20 or tomorrow, I think, something like that. Uh, but then also the two high school guys that were committed to Auburn are probably even mo- more ner- noteworthy, excuse me, as Colt Emerson and Kevin McGongle uh, were drafted in the first round the other night. And, uh, again, going to be rough to keep these guys as, uh, let's see, uh, McGongle was drafted 37th to Detroit and Emerson 22nd to Seattle. And so uh, I think I read slot value on 37 was like $2.2 million, and then 22nd is even higher. Uh, so pretty high figures, multi-million there, figure to be included in the signing bonus and contract, that sort of thing. So those two probably gone. Uh, for Auburn, still expecting a couple more guys to get drafted at some point, someone like Bryson Ware or something. But uh, all in all, Auburn losing a few players. That's the tough part of this time of year, Brant, where uh, you you'll, you get these big recruits and you get really excited about it. And then they get drafted straight out of high school, yeah. and you never see this. It's the, it was the basketball conundrum of the early 2000s or late 90s. You would get kind of feeling pretty good about this guy, and then they'd go fifth in the NBA draft and, and leave in the draft and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's very unlikely you're going to hold on to a guy who's taken in the first round, uh, even in baseball, a sport where the, I, I think there is a clear advantage to playing college baseball at this point. But if you're still a first-round guy uh, out of high school, then, I mean, it's, it's there's no reason for you to go to college. Like, how much – higher are you going to bump your stock up through a year or two of playing college baseball if you're already the 20th 30th best player available in all of baseball so including the other college guys now again like i said if you're a third rounder or a fourth rounder and you want to come try to become a first rounder i think you can do that through college i think uh what the top four or five players drafted last night were all college players i think so it, clearly there's an advantage to coming to to college but again if you're a first rounder there's just not a whole lot of value in bumping up your stock 15 or 20 spots so you know go ahead and go get your money kid there's there's not a whole lot the college can offer you that the pros can't those signing bonuses are always so solid you know we look at rookie contract structures in other leagues and in the NBA, it's kind of a per-year basis. There's not really a big signing bonus in basketball. In football, there's a little bit of everything. There is 
contract values spread out throughout the tenure of the contract, but then also there is a signing bonus of, and you know, there's a percent guarantee. Like that's the biggest thing with NFL contracts is not a hundred percent of it gets guaranteed. And, and uh, that sort of thing as we uh, watch on our screen in the pregame coverage for the home run derby, a bunch of Atlanta Braves showing up to the desk. That's always cool. Uh, Braves taking a bunch of pitchers, surprise, surprise so far in the first few rounds. But uh, I agree with you. I think that, uh, as with just about any of the sports, your first-round value is just tremendous value, yeah. and you get a nice paycheck. You get a nice opportunity to get off to a good start in your career rather than the NFL. That could end up being a starting spot. and In the NBA, that's a guaranteed roster spot in the league. Or in baseball, it's maybe the elevation already to double-A or something like that to start your career. Although I guess with the – the younger 18-year-old guys who are probably more likely to start in single A or, or rookie ball or something just because you're so young. But I, I think that with those guys, it's just it's hard to say no. There's only a few spots you can move up. There's so many things that can go wrong because it's not one year. You can't just jump back in as a freshman. You have to go three years. And a lot can happen in three years. You could have the dreaded Tommy John surgery if you're a pitcher. You could just not hit very well, and you could be drafted. I don't know how often this happens. I have no idea how to quantify it, but say you, you're a player that goes 30th, 40th, 50th in the draft and come back and go to college. What happens if you hit 250 in three years? You even getting drafted? Or some, maybe someone in the 15th round will take a flyer on you like, oh, I remember this kid was a big deal in high school. Maybe you got the wrong college coaching, but you're certainly not going top couple of rounds. This thing is a little bit shorter now, which is maybe somewhat of a consideration. It's 20 rounds as opposed to the 40 or 50 rounds that it used to be because there is one less minor league team per organization. So that dictates approximately 25 or so less roster spots within an organization. So that is a part of the consideration. It's just always something that's fascinated me. And we've kind of hit on it with Butch Thompson a little bit in the past when we've gotten to interview him. It's just such an odd dynamic, and I, I, I know I shouldn't be this floored by it because, like I said, it did happen in the National Basketball Association for a long period of time up until about 04, 05, 06, somewhere in there. Uh, but even still, I mean, I'm a young – I can't process everything in 2005, 2006 the way <laughs> I can now. And so it still is such a, a difficult conundrum to – work and spend a lot of time again in baseball you don't have scholarships for the whole roster so it's not even like it's not even like it 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 doesn't hurt you in that element because of course you're giving your top three four five recruits the scholarship there and then all of a sudden they get drafted the very end of the process and you promised this scholarship to this person and now everyone else you kind of liked went somewhere else and you don't have a scholarship or, or you're just now getting the scholarship open when everyone else has already made other decisions. Like it just seems like I think maybe the football aspect, football and basketball are so tough just because of how popular it is, how many things that you have to offer these kids. Now the sheer amount of money that NIL is creating for these kids opportunity, like that's what makes it difficult, just the constant badgering, the constant checking in and that sort of thing. But you also have a bigger staff to work with to help you do it. In baseball, it's so difficult because you have more unknowns about roster availability and about guys that will even end up playing in in college baseball uh it's always just been a a different challenge that i'm a little less used to yeah and i think nil has leveled the playing field a little bit but still 
you pointed out the biggest thing is you know you're giving partial scholarships to a lot of these guys because of because of title nine rules and title nine has been a net positive it's a good thing but it is frustrating for baseball to have like what is it 16 and a half 18 and a half something like that i I don't think it's a a total number so you're having to divvy up these scholarships meanwhile just you know to get to the topic that we started this conversation on you can say well we can give you three quarters of a scholarship and we'll work out some nil deals and you're free and welcome to use whatever other nil stuff you have and you'll still make money doing this or you can shine with the chicago white Sox and they'll say hey sign your name here and we'll give you two and a half million dollars it's the second one seems a lot easier right too and you don't have to worry about school you can just go ahead and get your pro career started uh, there are just there are a lot of advantages that while nil does help like i said help level level the playing field it is still tough for a college team to outbid a major league baseball team and i'd also speculate and again we don't get privy to exact figures and nil because really what they're doing is not really supposed to be going on in the first place but right. nil money for baseball going to be a decided drop from mm. even basketball let alone football whereas okay let's let's play this out a little bit i told you the slot value is in the two million three million dollar range even into the 30s okay for these conditional first round picks well if guys are making few hundred thousand that are the big guys uh, in basketball and the big guys are making a million, million and a half in football and just, just the run-of-the-mill recruits make a couple hundred thousand, something like that. I'm just spitballing numbers. What what does that look like in baseball? Is it 50,000, 40,000? You yeah. know, maybe the big guys will make six figures, but specu- I'm specu- speculating that you're not making six figures for the most part. Right. Maybe the biggest of big guys would, but again, only the biggest of big guys. And so what I'm saying is, that that's like a one thousand percent increase in value to make two million instead of two hundred thousand or a hundred thousand in in college. Whereas in basketball, use this one. Okay, you're gonna have several guys that you're gonna have a percentage of the team that's real make six figures, and then again, your biggest big guys will make several hundred thousand dollars. The end of the first round in the NBA is about a million and a half to two million per year. And so the difference there is really you're looking at a situation where, okay, it's still a clear drop-off. It's still clearly a good bit different of money. But we're talking about maybe a 300% increase, 400% increase, 500000 to $2 million, something like that, instead of the $100,000, $200,000 to $2, 3000000 million. And so that, the difference in value is, is – is probably at its greatest chasm in baseball, just off of the numbers that I've got flowing around in my head. Obviously, you go down in other rounds and you say, "Well, you know, fifth and sixth round guys in the NFL only make a few hundred that, or you know, make the league minimum." Or, or uh, in basketball, you know, you second round guys are not even guaranteed NBA deals sometimes, or at least you know they get two way contracts that sort of thing. And of course, that goes down the line. But I'm just talking for the top guys that are be. In the first round, um, it probably behooves the baseball guys from a money perspective as much as as much or more than the other sports from just a true financial value part of it. I know it's not everything, but it is certainly uh, a good bit of it. And that's I don't know that 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 is still a lot of value to bet on yourself when you can't even get out in one year. You have to go three years and. And that part of it, too, again, back to the original point, a lot can change that amount of time. 
We're going to go ahead and go to our next commercial break of hour number one. When we come back, we'll go to today's birthdays in sports. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show my name is my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 hi welcome to lifesavers mission thrift ah greetings human we are from the planet mars word wow but what are you doing here? We've observed that you wish to land on our planet. Yes, and so we must be prepared with new clothes and furniture, and we don't have much money. Yeah, we're students. Well, you've come to the right place. Mission Thrift has all kinds of clothes, furniture, gifts, all at the lowest prices you'll find. Excellent. And the best part is, all proceeds go toward helping underprivileged children of our community. Terrific. We will begin purchasing immediately. Zip up. Begin rummaging through those polyester pants. Lifesavers Mission Thrift Store on East University Drive in Auburn, behind Zaxby's. We're live from Auburn Bank Signing Day. Angela scanning the closing documents. Looks like the competitive rate her Auburn Bank mortgage lender promised. She gets the pen. Clicks it once, twice. Spin move! And we have a signature! Angela Green is a first-time homeowner. With competitive rates, online applications, and hands-on mortgage lenders, the wins just feel bigger. Auburn Bank, champions of you. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. NMLS number 403461. Honey Baked Ham doesn't just sell hams. Honey Baked Ham in Opelika offers the best spiral sliced honey glazed ham sandwiches in town. In the mood for turkey? Try the Turkey Classic or the Turkey Bacon Ranch. Can't decide? Have both on the Tavern Club. Whatever you fancy, sandwich, soup, or salad, make Honey Baked Ham your go-to lunch spot. Break away and experience lunch at Honey Baked Ham on Gateway Drive in Opelika today. For a quick pickup, call ahead at 741-8411. That's 741-8411. Honey Baked Ham, celebrating life one meal at a time. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Dontry with you here on this Monday. T.P. Hammock is running the board, taking your phone calls on this Monday afternoon. Well, we're about uh, 28 hours from a, another set of Thunder Chicken games, so that's exciting. And uh, we will have a town named Tuesday tomorrow. That will also be exciting. And we're also going to look into having a potential wacky Wednesday on Wednesday. And a lot coming up. Seven days away from Media Days in Nashville. Heck yeah. Got the SEC Media Days packet today. And it uh, looks like there'll be uh, like three different floors that uh, media will be set up on, or two different floors. And 
be running around in uh, in Nashville. So looking forward to all of that for sure. Before we go any further in today's show, however, let's get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. Birthdays and sports today got a pretty good list as we start off with Antonio Brown, who turns 35. Former NFL wide receiver selected in the sixth round the 2000 NFL draft by the Pittsburgh Steelers out of Central Michigan. Go Chippewas. Also played for the New England Patriots and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Super Bowl 55 champ with the Bucs. First or four-time first-team All-Pro. 2013 second-team All-Pro. Seven-time Pro Bowler. Two-time NFL receptions leader. Ten, two-time NFL receiving yards leader. And 2018 NFL receiving touchdown leader. Member of the NFL 2010 All-Decades team. At Central Michigan, Brown was two-time MAC Special Teams Player of the Year and MAC Freshman of the Year, two-time first-team All-American, two-time first-team All-MAC. Antonio Brown, 35 today. Uh, what an interesting character he is. Oh, I have more to say. I just wanted Tom to get the high school. Oh. <laughs> Before, yeah, so Miami, Miami, Florida, Norland High School, go Vikings. Vikings for a very southern team. I don't know if that Ooh. aligns all the way, but okay. Uh, yeah, Antonio Brown also knowing for uh, known for removing shirt on playing field, uh, doing jumping jacks and tunnel. Did y'all uh, did y'all follow the uh, the Arena League football team that he bought? I certainly didn't follow it, although I heard that uh, he didn't pay. Yeah, they they were kicked out of the league after like two months of him owning the team. It was insane. It is absolutely insane. Look up videos. There's like there's videos on YouTube like documenting his tenure as an owner of this Arena League football team, and it's incredible. Oh, man. CTE is real, folks. I suppose I I hope he gets help at some point, but right now it's just a train wreck. You can't take your eyes off it. Had about a four- or five-year stretch in the league where he was as good as anybody, again, with those leading the uh, league in receptions and yards and touchdowns for a few years there. And Again, it it went down. He could still be helping somebody out for every now and then at age 35, but – he needs help himself. Antonio Brown turns 35. Cameron Jordan turns 34. I don't like him for a different reason. That's because he's the current defensive end for the New Orleans Saints. Amen. Select the 24th overall in the 2011 draft by the Saints out of California. The Bears. 2017 first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowler, member of the NFL 2010 All-Decades team at Cal. Jordan was 2010 first-team All-Pac-10. Straight out of Chandler High School in Chandler, Arizona. Go Wolves. Go Wolves. Okay, so... No, I'm not going to do that. That might be an all-fair discussion. I don't know. I don't want to make myself look up. I'm curious now. Okay, fine. Are Wolves in Arizona? I'm sure there are. I think so. On the desert? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think there are Wolves in the desert. As much as any any location? Okay. I was just... Here's my Wolves experience. Minnesota Timberwolves. Timberwolves. Round trees. Round... Yeah, and like the northeast. Yes. However, Arizona, desert, desert wolves. I get sure. Okay. I just wanted to talk that out. Fair okay. enough. I, I admit I'm not the strongest. Sure, surely there are like out. wild dogs of some kind sure. in the desert. Roger Craig turned 63. Former NFL running back selected 49th overall in the 1983 NFL draft by the San Francisco 49ers out of Nebraska. Go Huskers. Corn. Oh, there you go. Also played for the Los Angeles Raiders and Minnesota Vikings. Three-time Super Bowl champion. 1988 NFL Offensive Player of the Year, 1988 First Team All-Pro, 1985 Second Team All-Pro, 
Four-time Pro Bowler, 1985 NFL receptions leader, member of the NFL 1980s All-Decade team, member of the San Francisco 49ers Hall of Fame. Roger Craig turned 63 today. And Will Smith, the left-handed pitcher, turns 34. Current pitcher for the Texas Rangers, two-time World Series champion, 2019 MLB All-Star, also played for the Kansas City Royals, Milwaukee Brewers, San Francisco Giants, Atlanta Braves, and Houston Astros. Gave many Atlanta fans a lot of heart attacks. Ultimately got the job done more times than not, though. Will Smith turns 34 today. Solid late reliever. Even though, like you said, he never made it easy, but he usually got the job done. Those are the birthdays in sports today here on July the 10th. Again, Antonio Brown, 35, Cameron Jordan, 34, Roger Craig, 63, and Will Smith, 34. Only got a few more minutes left here in the first hour of the show as I uh, had a phone call or so in this uh, this first hour. Again, if you want to give us a call a little bit later in the show, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9. Tiger 9, again, getting set for All-Star festivities tonight. I'm going to ask you the question, and I don't want to – I want to do bracket on this in a little bit, but it'll probably take too long. Is the Home Run Derby the best singular event that's put on by these professional leagues as like a non – Non-game, like of all between yeah. all all the skills challenges, slam dunk contests, three point shootout, all this, and home run derby. Is this the best singular event that's put on by these professional leagues? I think it used to be the dunk contest, but people are so used to the dunk contest, it's so hard to do something different. Hitting a home run is hitting a home run, and if you hit a million of them at one time, it's always going to be exciting, no matter like how far they go. It's I, people really do love the home run contest, and I think it's. It's really cool. I think it also, you, you, we've talked about the skill challenge in football, the Pro Bowl, and things like that. The All-Star game is really cool, but at the end of the day, it is just a baseball game. The Pro Bowl is a very, very watered-down version of a football game. Those guys don't want to hurt each other, so obviously they're not playing very well. The NBA All-Star game is fun, um, but yeah, I, I do think as far as entertainment value, the, uh, the home run contest probably does take it for me. I I think I agree. Um, I, I really agree with everything you said. I, I think that ten years ago, maybe even five, you would have still said the dunk contest. Yeah, it just culturally is such a big deal. And I think for some people, maybe it still is. But what continues to kill it is that there's just not enough big names. It's just like, hey, here's Derek Jones Jr. Who is Derek Jones Jr.? I don't know, who was, but it, it he was, can dunk. It was Mac McClung who won it last year, right? Who was right. on a two-way contract yeah. for the 76ers? Hard, really, really play it all. Yeah. And it's just like these guys win these contests, or participate in them, they're not even relevant basketball players at all. They're not even like, oh, yeah, you know, fourth best player on the team. No. Yeah. I mean, you're struggling to get a guy in the NBA yeah. for a long period of time. And so – uh about to run out of time. I have even more detailed thoughts on it, but I, I agree with you. I'm almost tempted to have a different second in the dunk contest too, just because it's it's fall it's falling so flat for me. Um, but I do think the the home run derby they have changed it in ways the last few years, which I actually think have made it better. I thought at the time they'd be worse. Um, I, I, I like the way they bracket it. I like the bracket system, making it head to head with these guys. I do like that. 
I like the time that it's time, not pitches. Yeah. Because you could see some guys hit three or four home runs, and you'd see a lot of taken pitches. Now it really mm-hmm. doesn't behoove you to take a lot of pitches. So out of time in hour number one, we'll have more thoughts on the home run derby. We'll give you the bracket for it coming up in a little bit. Also a little bit more on uh, the All-Stars as a whole. And, of course, all your phone calls today as well. We're out of time for hour number one. Stay tuned. More sports call coming up in hour number two. Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call, starting right now on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brian Daughtry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday. T.P. Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls Today, On the other side of that break, we were talking a little bit about uh, the MLB Home Run Derby. We'll get into it a little bit right now. And uh, we were talking a little bit about if it's the best event now for professional uh, All-Star weekends and weeks and that sort of thing. Tom, where do you stand on that? I, I think it is. Uh, I think 100% it is. Um, may, maybe some of the NHL skill stuff that they do is pretty good but i mean we're not really hockey fans down here but some of the skills stuff that they do in the nhl is pretty cool the the dunk contest in the nba has absolutely lost his luster um they've been trying to do some different things to revamp it but none of none of your big time superstars are really wanting to get into the dunk contest 
whereas you do have some of your bigger stars in the home run derby. So you have that, uh, and then in the NFL, you had the Pro Bowl, and that's just a joke to where they're not even doing it anymore. So, yes, absolutely. Uh, home run derby is the biggest skills challenge, I guess you could say, or, or the event on an all-star week from around the sports. Uh, is, yeah, 100%. There's a reason the stadium is just slam-packed right. for the home run derby like it is. Yeah, no, I – we definitely agree. Uh, I think that the, uh, as we were saying at the end of the first hour, I think that the slam dunk contest for a long time clearly was. I think it was above the the home run derby because of the notoriety of some of the athletes participating in it, and we had, we were seeing dunks from from the eighties, ninety, or from yeah, mainly the nineties and early two thousands. We were seeing dunks that we had never seen before, right? And that's what was making it such a big deal. And these big, big these big time stars were the ones doing them. And now it's just like you just got guys that are barely even in the league, uh, guys that the average fan doesn't even know who that is. You what, know? Was it two years ago they brought in a guy that was not even in the league, like the white guy that was that was last year. Was that last yeah, year? Th- yeah, talking McClung. about Mac McClung. Yeah, he's not. He wasn't even playing for anybody. Two way, two way. They yeah. still have to have oh. some sort of tie to. But him, I mean, yeah, but, but, but basically, he was like yeah. a YouTube. He was a he's YouTuber. He's not a constant roster spot. Yeah, I mean, he's a YouTube guy. I mean, he became famous from dunks on YouTube, and not because he's a famous NBA player. It's like, hey, that guy's really good at dunking the ball. Let's put him in the dunk contest. And went to went to college and was good in college. But, sure. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, not an NBA guy. I mean, right. yeah, point withstanding. Uh, I think that if you had the actual top guys in the sport, if you had Zion healthy in doing this, if you had LeBron one of these years, if he had done it, uh, now if you're talking about someone like Giannis or something do it, then I think you'd be talking about something different with the NBA. But if you're not going to have the stars and you're not going to have the ability to really innovate and have new new stuff – then it's just continued to fall the last several years. I think making the home run derby the clear number one. I actually enjoy some other things more than even the dunk contest now because it has fallen so far. I enjoy the three point contest more right. than the than the dunk contest at this point. And just how important the three point ball is. You see guys get on these big runs and that sort of thing. And again, it is something that a higher level of star is willing to do. Because the dunk thing, I think they're worried about the injury part of it. I don't know how many injuries have actually happened in the dunk contest. Not many. I'm sure it's happened once or twice over time, but it's still not a constant thing. But clearly there is a higher risk element than here's the rack. I pick ball up. I shoot ball. I go to next rack. I pick that ball up or all the balls. And then I shoot all the balls. You know that 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 is. I don't know why I put some sort of accent on that, but <laughs> but but um, whenever I'm speaking in in Steph Curry's voice, it's usually in like Eastern European. One three pointer, ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man! I want to see the Muppets compete in the three point contest. <laughs> <laughs> or that's Sesame oh. Street, isn't it? Either way. Man, oh man, uh, yeah. So I don't know why I went there, but I've honestly enjoyed that mo- more than the dunk contest recently. But yes, the home run derby coming up tonight. The changes to it have been more than acceptable. I think the old style. I I, I remember when they made the first change to a time. I'm like, they're gonna put a time limit on them. Well, that kind of sucks. But then I realized, wait a minute, three minutes is a long time if you're swinging a lot. Mm-hmm. They give you a timeout. 
They give you a 30-second add-on if you hit, I think it's two 450-foot homers, so a la, you know, every Braves homer, every other Braves homer <laughs> this year. Um, so you get a lot – you actually get a lot more swings because these guys in the past were like, all right, that's not the pitch I want. I'll take it. That's not the pitch I want. It's actually a strike, but I didn't want to swing at it. All right, I'll swing at this one. Oops, pulled it foul. Timeout. It, like it, just, it took longer to do less, and so – it did make the occasional big run more special, like when Josh Hamilton was doing that in Yankee Stadium. He hit like 20-something home runs in one of the rounds. It did make that more special. It makes the King Griffey Juniors of the world more special when they go on tears. But you get more home runs in total this way. And also, Brandon, as you point out, the bracket element to it, which comes to our next point here, is we're going to get into the bracket a little bit. So eight participants – Four matchups, obviously. That's math. You advance and into a Final Four and into a championship. So I'll give you the brackets here. One seed, Luis Robert Jr. I think they see this on how many home runs have been hit this year, by the way, if you're, if you're curious. Luis Robert Jr. versus Chicago White Sox. He's one of the top five uh, home run hitters in, the, in the baseball by number this year. Going up against eight seed, Adley Rushman. He's the catcher for the... Uh, Baltimore Orioles, former Oregon State Beaver. The Cartoon Birds. Yeah, yeah, the Cartoon from, Birds. From the Cartoon Beavers. A- amen. Four seed Adolis Garcia of the Texas Rangers versus five seed Randy Arozarena of the Tampa Bay Rays, who the Braves just saw. Over on the other side, was it two time champ Pete Alonso yep. as the two Probably seed? Probably going to be a three time champ. Uh, versus <laughs> seven seed Julio Rodriguez of the Seattle Mariners. I think Julio was in this last year. Uh, Three-seed Mookie Betts, who's up to like 22, 23 homers this year, versus six-seed Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who's definitely participated a couple of times. So what do you think of the bracket? What are you looking out for tonight? I think there are three clear front runners, at least to me, and obviously all these guys are great home run hitters. But for whatever reason, I'm kind of gravitating towards Pete Alonso for obvious reasons. But then Mookie Betts and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I think are the the three biggest power bats in this lineup. I think it's, it's kind of upsetting that – Betts and Guerrero are going against each other in the first round because I, I think either of those guys uh, could go through to win this thing. Uh, the other guys, obviously, they're having good seasons. They wouldn't be in the home run contest if they weren't, but I think those three are clear of the field. Tom, what you got? Uh, I mean, I, I Alonzo you, you gotta, or Bust. Yeah, I mean, I mean, goodness, he's won the he's won the last two, and so. I, but I agree. I, you know, I could see Mookie Betts has that big pop. Vlad Guerrero has big pop. Uh, I'm not as familiar with these other guys, so maybe you get a surprise. But uh, I, I mean, there's a reason that uh, that Pete Alonso is kind of everybody's favorite right now to win it because he's won the last two. And sure, I mean, he and he's still hitting tons of home runs. So uh, I've got. I think I think Alonso is going to win it unless he just has a, a bad night. But if it's not him, I would have to. Agree. I'd have to say I would think it would either be Mookie Betts or Vlad Guerrero. I think three of the four first-round matchups for me are very clear and obvious. I think Alonzo will beat Julio. I think Luis Robert will beat Adley Rutschman. And I think, Adol- even though it's a 4-5, I think Adolis Garcia will beat Randy Rosarina. When I think of a Rosarina, I just don't think of someone with a lot of pure power. And I think that um, overall, when you're thinking about um, – guys that just have swings built for this derby 
it's still those more those guys that generate the more power to me. I, I know we always talk about, well, you know, these guys they don't have to swing as hard, they don't spend as much energy yet energy. Yeah, the ball doesn't go as far. So you don't get your thirty second bonus. So you don't hit the four and fifty foot homers. And you they all get tired too. Well, if my four hundred and fifteen foot shot gets tired and it's going three eighty five, that might not be out everywhere. But if Alonzo's four hundred and thirty five foot homer gets tired and goes down thirty feet, four oh five is still going out pretty much everywhere. So uh, that's the way I look at it. Be careful, Luis Robert. If Alonzo doesn't win this, I think it's going to be Luis Robert because I think his path is pretty easy to get there. And it, he's one player that people are not familiar with because he's newer uh, in the league. I think this is his first full year, second full year. And he does have the most home runs on the board. Uh, granted, Alonzo probably would if he didn't miss a few weeks. Uh, he hit some tanks. He's a big guy. Hit the talking about somebody that's not going to have to do much to generate a lot of power. Luis Robert could be that guy. Uh, you know, Vlad is somebody that has always been um, thought of as just this gigantic power hitter. He's not generated as many home runs in actual play. I think he'll play pretty well in the the derby tonight. But he's been somebody that is focused on a more balanced swing, and he's just kind of a good all-around hitter, kind of like his dad was. I mean, his dad would take violent swings and have some pot from time to time, but I think they saw this big boy in Vlad Guerrero Jr. He's just going he is do a nothing large, large but, man. Right, do nothing but homer, and, and that's not really been his his case in, um, in the major leagues. So I think it'll be a one-and-two seed final, Alonzo versus Robert. I'm not going to be dumb. I'll take Alonzo, but – Again, would not be surprised if if Robert won it because I think people are just not as familiar right. uh, w- with what he's been doing. Also, while we're talking a little baseball, uh, I know we could get into this tomorrow, but just real briefly, want to talk about that the the lineups got released for uh, the National American League, and I want to also note so the Braves have eight All Stars. You will not see two of them. Bryce Elder will not pitch. Uh, and then uh, Spencer Strider will not pitch, and that was mandated by Snitker. That's because of the time that they pitched this past week, and they're within the right to not have to pitch because they pitched this weekend. So they're they're not going to pitch. Um, but here's the starting lineup for the National League. Ronald Cunha Jr. leads off, plays right field. His good friend Freddie Freeman bats second, ah. plays first base. Then it's Mookie Bats in center, J.D. Uh, Martinez, the D.H. Nolan Arenado at third, Luis Arise, the batting title. I'm just going to give him the batting title, the, the, the future batting title winner, Luis Arise. <laughs> you got Sean Murphy batting seventh and catching. Corbin Carroll, who's got a good chance of winning Rookie of the Year, probably will, from the Diamondbacks hitting eighth. And Orlando Arcia batting ninth and the pride of the Arizona Diamondbacks and the University of North Carolina, Zach Gallen, is the pitcher uh, for the National League. So you've got Acuna, again, leading off. You've got Murphy hitting seventh, Arcia hitting ninth. You know that at some point Austin Riley, Ozzie Albies, and Matt Olson will get swings at some point. But uh, I just couldn't help myself with seeing the Acuna-Freeman dynamic yeah really hoping Acuna can get on to lead off the game so that Freeman bats behind him just saying yeah absolutely I mean there was some I guess kind of semi-manufactured drama between them when Freddie left the team it would be really cool to see them kind of just 
squash that and be mature about it and go, hey, I'm going to get on and you're going to hit a home run after me. Or they, they hit back-to-back home runs would be pretty cool. I can't be mad at Freddie, man. Like, I, obviously, I wish he was still a Brave. I, and, of course, very happy with everything Matt Olson's done. He's an all-star himself. But, I mean, Freddie was one of my first-ever favorite baseball players. So, it, you know, hopefully he and Ronald can do something pretty special tonight. Yeah, uh, when they uh, get that going. Also, you got tonight, so um, again, home run derby tonight, all-star game tomorrow. You've got the uh, celebrity softball game uh, that comes up after the home run derby. That's always a nice little thing to end the night, although I was seeing videos from that the other day so that were already leaking because it's always been a pre-recorded deal. And Apparently, like Ryan Howard's big, big self is on one of those teams and cranked one. Because it's like, dude, Ryan Howard retired like four years ago. You know, like he, <laughs> he's not that old and he kind of retired young and all he did was hit bombs. So him connecting on a softball field is, is going over. Uh, it will go over by, by all the lot. fences. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any fence that they want to set up. You know what usually does not go over? Our swings, our hits when we're playing Thunder Chicken softball. Mm. That's, uh, amen. I, unless you're Van Cathcart. My yeah. my goal is to get it out of the infield. That's I'm trying. I don't know. I don't care how far it goes. I just want to hit it hard. I want to make solid contact. That's I mean, my that goal. is the goal. You try and hit him where you ain't. Put a good line drive swing on it. Tom was putting good line drive swings two weeks ago. We tried to get a practice together this past weekend. Everyone was Every, out of town. Yep, everyone was out of it town. It was like, like this message if you can play versus like this message if you can't. And it was like six straight, can't do it. Yeah. It was like, well, this is going well. So we didn't practice <laughs> since uh, two Tuesdays ago. You got any rain tomorrow? <laughs> I well, I mean, it's possible. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it, rained, it rained on me on the way over here. Of course, that's... Yeah, it, mostly in Georgia, so I don't know how much of it we're going to get. It's but. not really supposed to rain tomorrow, unfortunately. So, ah, well. I say unfortunately, we're looking forward to. It. I'm just saying it, these results not going to go as well <laughs> uh, tomorrow. We're going to take our first break here of hour number two. Back with more sports call right after this. Another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call and Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday. As discussed a little bit earlier, SEC Media Day is coming up in seven days. Getting very excited for that. Mr. Peavy, this is SEC Media Day's, like, number eight-ish for you? Oh. Nine-ish? Six-ish? Maybe maybe six Goodness. How long did you go before we were going? I had never been until oh. I started doing the radio. Well, before you went to – I'm saying, like, you were working with us before J.J. and myself came over here. So, right. like, how many 
of those two um, you attend before JJ and I got over here. Because I know how many I've been to. So I can add that to whatever. What was your first one? What My year? first one was 2018. 18. Remember, 20 got canceled or like they did right. some virtual deal. So we, we have been 18, 19, 21, 22. This is number five so, for us. Okay. So I think, so I, I, think we, I think we started going in 2016. Okay. So not long. So two years before 2015 us. or 2016 that we started okay. going. So number seven, number eight, something like that. Something like that. Okay. okay. Wow. Time flies. I didn't realize I'd been to that many SEC media days. Yeah. Goodness when, gracious. You've uh, you've had a quite the. I mean, I know that I have as well. But you you had it in Birmingham the first few times, and we're getting we're, used to that. And then Atlanta twice. Yep. Now Nashville. Yep. Rumors of I think Big D next year Dallas. No. I'm just I don't know how that's gonna. I was gonna work are out. we gonna be able to go all the way to Dallas? I don't know. That's a conversation for ten to eleven months from now. <laughs> uh, but we listen. I've driven to Dallas. I'll do it again. Right. Um, Even if I have to go by much, myself. <laughs> how much further is Dallas than Houston from here? Just an additional uh, hour or two? I I mean, I, if I remember correctly, they're kind of the same distance. I mean, just Maybe obviously one's take a different north. interstate or something. Yeah, well, like to go to Dallas, you need to go up to like Birmingham and then go Birmingham all the way across. Okay. Uh, to get to Houston, you got to go to Mobile right. and then get the interstate and go all the way across. Point being, I've done the, the Houston deal basically because went to the 2019 Auburn and mm-hmm. A&M game. Twelve hours to Houston. Twelve hour drive to yep. Houston. I've yep. I've done that yep. numerous times. Yep. Solid. Texas, uh, Dallas is a also about a twelve hour drive. Okay. So. so we'll see. I don't know. Again, conversation for ten months from now. But Brant Daughtry going to his first SEC media days. Yeah, very first. And and I'm excited about it. You know, it's something that I've paid attention to a lot. Uh, you know, you always see the see the quotes, hear the interviews, and you know, you, you see kind of what happens, but I've just never been a part of it. And uh, this is it's cool. It's exciting. You know, they're going to be guys whose names and voices I've heard for several years now, but you know, I'm, I'm going to actually get a chance to probably sit down and talk with them for a little bit. And I think that's exciting. So, uh, really looking forward to next week. Yeah, absolutely. We, we plan on having the, the, really the whole crew, uh, in Nashville. We're going to have, uh, us three, we're going to have Brooks up there. Also going to have Cam Barry. He's going to be working with a couple different outlets, but he's going to be helping us out too. Uh, so we're going to have uh, everybody there. And then our, our intern, T.P. Hammett, will be back here holding holding the fort down as, as someone always has to uh, at the end of the day. So we'll be very appreciative of T.P. for doing that. But Media Day is coming up next week. And we bring it up now on the show because it was announced who will be representing all the various institutions uh, at Media Days, including Auburn. Obviously, everyone's head coach goes. The player contingency for Auburn was announced. Three seniors for the Tigers, tied in Luke Deal, linebacker Elijah McAllister, and offensive lineman Cameron Stutz were the three. Obviously, guys, this is not going to be the three biggest high-profile names uh, that any school is bringing. These are guys that uh, I know McAllister's new to the program, but other guys have been in the program for a long period of time, uh, obviously opting for some senior leadership. And then obviously, like, you can't take a quarterback because there's a race on hand. You can't take a, can't take Hunter because of the investigations yeah. been going on that we still really know very little about. You could have taken a wide receiver like Javarius Johnson, but you really don't know. Like, depth chart-wise, he might end up playing a good bit, but if these new guys are good, he might get a 
few targets a game top. You know, I mean, there's just a lot of big variable. Could have taken that. a kicker, but you just did that a couple of years ago. Right. Well, and Anders is gone, so you'd be taking McPherson, and he's sure. young, and yeah. usually don't take the underclass when they haven't played much. Yeah. And I mean, again, just it you could have taken slim pickings. I, well, I think defensive backfield would have been the position group, maybe. Yeah, It'd bring Jalen Simpson in there. Yeah, or uh, DJ James. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, again, guys, just what do you think of these three? I know I kind of briefly outlined it there, but these three guys and. Um, you know what they what they bring to the table here. It's interesting. Luke Deal's been with the program for so long. Uh, he's been through some really good times and some really bad times as an Auburn Tiger, and he's a guy who has contributed even if he hasn't been a very good pass catching tight end, which is obviously what draws people in. But he's had some great catches. He's an incredible blocker, but a guy who has been a part of the team for a while. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if he was the team captain. I think he had a couple of games where he was elected as a captain. Uh, as one of the non-permanent captains last year so luke deal a guy that doesn't really shock me elijah McAllister, you've heard a lot about his leadership even though he is coming in with his first year as the program he's a guy that a lot of people seem to be drawn to the one that's interesting to me is cam stutz because i didn't have cam stutz penciled in as a starter this year uh i penciled him as probably the second at one of those two guard spots so a guy who you know he played last year but was not particularly great and, you know, you brought in all those new offensive linemen. I saw him as being one of the guys pushed down the depth chart with all those transfers in. But, you know, him coming to media days, you typically don't take your backup guard to media days. So maybe this is uh, Freeze's, uh, I guess, kind of indication that Cam Stutz is pushing for one of those starting guard jobs. What do you think of these three, Tom? I, I mean, it's kind of odd because, like we said, I mean, they're not any of your big-time named guys, but – I don't. I don't know what the qualifications are that get you to that. Um, why you wouldn't have had a Jalen Simpson? You know, I don't know. Yeah, I, Simpson's a, is he a junior this year? I think he's an upperclassman. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, yeah, Luke Deal. I could definitely see uh, the Elijah McAllister. You know, eh, brand new. Uh, and I guess Cameron Stutz. I mean, he's a senior. He's been around for a while. So I get. I, I guess. I guess the uh, uh, the Elijah McAllister is the one that kind of gets me just because he's so. I mean, he's never played for Auburn. He's he's new, right? Uh, I mean, new, new. But he's a senior. At least he uh, has the SEC experience. He does, and and it, and it will make good questions for you know, you know why you know why Auburn, and I mean, obviously you're going to get those questions. So, uh, but the other thing is that I, I think they take, I, I think they try to take individuals that they think will be relatable to the media, sure. th- guys that can do the media thing. Um, and do it well, represent the school well. Obviously, McAllister has done something pretty decent here at Auburn in, in his short time on campus if they're willing to let him go and be a face of the program. Uh, and, and, you know, it kind of makes you wonder about the other players that they're like, mm, no, not that one. Yeah, I mean, I you know, and I don't know how that I, I don't know how it works. I mean, but. I think obviously he's going for the senior thing, and I, I have heard enough out of Elijah McAllister that I can get. Where you're seeing the the well spoken deal there, and you think there's leadership qualities there for sure. Whether he ends up playing X amount of snaps, whatever, but uh, I think that he's clearly got that presentation to him. Right. There's only one player, and you guys might have spotted this. I, I did the double checking here on the sheet. There is only one player in the entire league representing the underclassmen. There's only one, there. I, one underclassman. 
I looked through this a second ago, and uh-huh. I could, I didn't see him. And now that you say that, I, I do see who you're talking about. Tom, did you see who the underclassman was? Uh, well, now you're, you're well, searching I'm looking, Yeah, I'm looking. <laughs> I was just seeing if you could guess it. All right, no one can guess it. It's Quinchon Junkins, the running back out of Ole Miss, is the only non-junior or senior oh, there, it's uh, to yeah. uh, to represent any team here at, at Media Day. So clearly, I mean, this is a, a deal where – uh, programs just feel that it's got to be your veteran leadership, and there's a lot of teams that just did seniors. You know, there's certainly a few teams with juniors in there, but uh, Auburn was not the only team to go uh, all seniors. Kentucky went with all seniors. Vandy went with all seniors. Tennessee uh, went with all seniors. Mississippi State, uh, South Carolina. So yeah, I mean Tennessee. Yeah, you said Tennessee. Yeah. So I mean, there was a, a good number of schools that ended up going with. With all seniors there, uh, some of the more interesting players in the league, you mentioned off-air uh, Brock Bowers, Tom. Yeah, Brock Bowers from Georgia. That's going to be there. Just uh, a junior. So. Sure. Actually, uh, all this will be Georgia, his, I was about to say all of Georgia yeah, is juniors. juniors. Well, that's because they don't get a lot of seniors, guys. That's go, true. <laughs> that's <laughs> pretty true. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. Alabama's got the exact same thing. They've got a bunch of juniors. J.C. Latham, Kool-Aid McKinstry, and Dallas Starter. Uh, notably, no skill position players there as Alabama's Dallas. had to replace a lot. But I didn't know Dallas Turner was only a junior. I thought he was in his fourth year. Only a junior. Um, and so, again, the the other players, uh, you got Kamari Lasseter for Georgia, the DB. Their defense will be good again. I know that's going to break the news right there. Uh, and Cedric Van Pran, offensive lineman that I'll just be 100% forthcoming with you. I'm, I'm not familiar I'm, with his game. I'm not familiar <laughs> with him. I, just going through the if list. He's, if he's an offensive lineman at Georgia, he's probably pretty good. I'm sure I will soon be familiar. Yeah. You know, kind of going through the list on here, you know, when you think of superstar players that, that you know, so Kool-Aid McKinstry, the DB from Alabama, superstar player, right? I mean, you, he's one of the top defensive backs in the country. K.J. Jefferson, quarterback at Arkansas, obviously one of the top players. Uh, let's see, Florida guys. I'm not as familiar with them. Yeah, I, I, I don't recognize Rick, any of those names. I, I know Ricky Pearsall will. Right, yeah, be Ricky Pearsall for the uh, Brock, Brock Bowers. I mean, they they're they're talking about Brock Bowers being yeah the the best tight end uh, ever drafted, and that's saying a lot considering uh, what the Falcons got uh, from Florida a couple of years ago. They're thinking he's going to be even better than that. Uh, I. Not really familiar with the Kentucky guys. Jaden Daniels, quarterback at yeah. LSU, and Josh Williams, their running back. So, I mean, two. Uh, well, Mackie Wingo. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mackay Wingo. Uh, Mackay Wingo. Yeah. All, all three of those guys all, are pretty spectacular yeah. players. So, LSU, yeah. LSU's got three studs going. Uh, Ole Miss, Quinchon Judkins is going to kind of highlight that one. Uh, uh, Will Rogers, Mississippi State. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, and this will be his, his third year as the yeah. starting quarterback at State, right? Yeah. Third or fourth, yeah. I uh, can't say that I'm really familiar with any of the Missouri guys. Chris Abrams Drain, Javon Foster, and Darius Robinson. Uh, South Carolina, Tonka Hemingway, Kai Kroger, Spencer Rattler going to be there for South Carolina. So he that's was good. improved last year for sure, yep. Rattler. Uh, Tennessee's going to have Joe Milton the third. So there's, you know, another top superstar from the SEC with Joe Milton the third. Uh, A&M. Uh, Anaya Smith Anaya was Smith. really good last yeah, Anaya year. Anaya Smith is going to be their top well, guy. Smith is the and then Vanderbilt's going to be there. Vandy has people. Vandy's going to be there. Vandy the, plays football. The Anaya Smith. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Anaya Smith. They were taken last year and then he got in trouble and he didn't uh, show up. Right? Been, uh, is that is, is was that, that not Anaya Smith last year? 
Oh, I, I, I cannot remember. I'm Brooks might remember, Hold but on. I'm not going to yell I'm into do the microphone. I thought Anaya Smith, one of their wide receivers, it absolutely is a wide receiver, one of their wide receivers, and I believed it was Anaya Smith, was supposed to be at Media Days last year, then got in trouble, got suspended, and then in, uh, like the day before they were supposed to come. And then he did not come. Yeah, I remember. And, yeah, and yeah, I remember that. Then he again got suspended for a couple games, and they're they're going to try that again. I really do think it was Anaya Smith, and he is a talented wide receiver. But part of the reason maybe he didn't parlay that into leaving for the draft last year is some of those issues. But yeah, no, there there's certainly a mixed bag, but there's certainly some big names. Going to be interesting to hear from Milton uh, of Tennessee because again, there's a lot. A lot riding on him this year. We'll do team breakdowns coming up in a few weeks and, and get it and rank our quarterbacks and, 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 and all the good stuff. That's coming in a matter of days, not weeks at this point. But Milton's going to be a fascinating one. I think we'll have a difference of opinion on Milton where he already ranks in the SEC. And, again, I just I view him as – I won't say more important than Hooker because Tennessee had to get off the ground floor at some point. They had to get a – real season not like a butch jones like all right we finished 23rd here's our eight win team josh dobb doesn't doesn't have eyebrows type of season <laughs> you know I, I at some point josh Dobbs. they needed to have a real season and they had that last year uh so milton then becomes the most important person in the program now because he, he his success determines the viability of Tennessee for a long period of time. If he has sat in that system for multiple years with the arm talent we know him to have because he can throw it from here to the university. We're not close to the university, but he he can throw it 80, 90 yards. If he can throw it that far, he's got that much arm talent, and you've got a system that seems to be awesome. If he's bad and Tennessee's not good this year, that's a big hit to them. That then shows maybe this Hendon Hooker guy – made this look more awesome than it really was. But if they are really good again, then you're going to start to get all the stuff about, well, look at Heupel. He's a great quarterback guy. He's got great system. He's taken Tennessee to multiple good places now. And you just it, it, becomes, it becomes solidified to me in this age where we're talking on shorter time periods and shorter timetables. You don't in the same way you don't take five years to turn over a roster now, you don't have to have five great years in a row to to make something validated. If you do it two or three times, you validate it now in the cycle because the rosters have changed. That means you've done it with multiple rosters in a three year period. So Milton is just fascinating to me. I'm going to be following him very closely all year and I'm excited he's going to media days. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Tennessee's Tennessee last year is what Auburn's going to try to do this year. Now, I, I don't think they're going to do all that Tennessee did last year. But it, last year was kind of a proof of concept for Josh Heupel, and he proved his concept, right? Now he proved it with a quarterback that was really, really good, and you've got to prove that you can replicate it now with a different guy. And we all know how talented Joe Milton is. It's a matter of can he execute on the level that's necessary. And if they can pull that off, then all of a sudden you've got repeated success with different guys. And like you said, it proves that – Tennessee can be a major player going forward and I I personally would love that I think college football is better when Tennessee is really good uh and I I kind of like Josh Heupel as a coach and uh, I'm rooting for Tennessee to do well this year and I think they will I I really do I'm a believer in Josh Heupel and everything that he does 
One other contingency I'm I'm looking out for before we go to break here for the final time this hour. Uh, big year for Arkansas and the, and their contingency. Big year for them. Uh, Landon Jackson needs to be one of the leaders of that defense. They lost their good linebackers from last year's team, which was like the really the main good part of their defense. But then KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders. Uh, formerly Raheem Sanders, but Rocket Sanders, if you listen to the majority of broadcasts. That backfield's just so important for Arkansas uh, this year. And they had this really feel-good story in some degree 20, but certainly 2021 with Sam Pittman. Last year, the expectations got raised, and they did not meet them. They had some wonky things happen earlier in the year, particularly the Texas A&M game that I think derailed their psyche a little bit they salvaged the bowl went out of the season but certainly not the season they wanted to have and this is the last go around for kj jefferson he was a a 65 percent passer last year he's a really good runner um rocket sanders is is top three running back in the league I don't know if he's one. I think Quinshaw Junkins is one, and there's some other guys in there in that 2-3 range. But Rocket Sanders is really good. And that's just going – that contingency is just going to be so important uh, for Arkansas's point of view this year. Are they just a 6-6 six and six program, period, end of story? Can they validate the work that Pittman and company have done these last three years? Did they hit their head on the ceiling in 2021 when they when they won eight or nine games, whatever it was, and and uh, you know can they take advantage of a team like Texas A&M that's still got a lot of work to do and and that sort of thing? So I think Arkansas Arkansas just in the matter of importance. Obviously, there's others in here too, but I'm I'm just spending a time on a, on a team in the middle of the pack that is in danger of going right back down towards the bottom. They were as bad as it could get with Chad Morris as head coach there. And to get out of that hole so quickly, it gave me the belief and confidence that they might end up being what Ole Miss kind of is right now. Where Ole Miss, I'm not pro- I don't think the Ole Miss has proven they're going to win a title, an SEC title, or even go there. But Ole Miss, to me, feels like they've accomplished something real, kind of like I said with Tennessee, and that they've done something that is incredibly hard to do. They had their best regular season in Ole Miss history two years ago. For Arkansas, they're on the cusp of that, but can they actually parlay it into a, a real year? Because they had some real seasons, both with McFadden and Houston Nutt in the mid-2000s, but also with uh, now the late Ryan Mallett and, and, and then Tyler Wilson at quarterback with Bobby Petrino team. So like Arkansas has proven a 10-win season, not this foreign concept to them. Uh, so can they get a really big year? Can they – Swat off AM. Can they swat off Auburn who tries to make a quick rebuild? Can they swat off uh, the Mississippi schools? You know, that's it's a big year for Arkansas and those guys that they're bringing to. Yeah, and I think it's a big year for Sam Pittman as well. Uh, you know, he came in with the promise of making them a really good running team and having dominant offensive lines and, you know, the old school football that Arkansas seems to gravitate to. And, and the best years that Arkansas has had plays that style of football. But over the past couple of years, it just hasn't really worked out. If this is another mediocre year, uh, how long is Sam Pittman's leash? I know they love him over there, but I've, you know, I, I say it all the time: you can love a guy all you want, but once he starts losing, that love doesn't really mean anything. You Don't know? love the lose. Yeah. yeah. So if Sam Pittman can't turn it around from what happened at the end of last year, 
again, how long does Arkansas hold on to him? I don't know. I think if they go seven and five this year, I think he's fine. But I think seven and five the year after that, you know, you have to start asking questions. But if this is a bad year, you know, if they have a losing record, you have to start asking questions about Pittman. I'll be interested to see, and I know we're up against the break. I'll be interested to see as time goes along. These programs that traditionally would have been more okay with seven-win teams, which I think Arkansas to some degree, I think they'd get t- anyone would get tired of it after a while. But Arkansas would definitely be one of the more patient teams with seven and fives and that sort of thing. Right. I wonder if the playoff, while it makes teams at the top more patient, because if you're number ten in the country, all of a sudden you're in the playoff, and it's going to be kind of hard to say, well, you made the playoff, but you're out. You know that sort of thing. I wonder if it make te- makes teams teams in the middle less patient because the playoff feels more attainable and the seven win monotony over and over and over again getting you to 25th for a couple weeks and then out and you just get a taste of those top 25 and if you get a taste of the top 25 you then see the light at the end of the tunnel which is the playoff i wonder if these middle teams will then get less patient because they'll say well all of a sudden uh, we feel even less good about our Florida Bowl our our Outback Bowl or whatever and we even are more tantalized by even finishing 10th 12th in the country because that puts us in the playoff and do we expect to win the playoffs no of course not but we want to get in the dance everyone wants to take it to the dance and so that's another thing that I can't wait I know we're talking about things years down the line now <laughs> but do these programs that are traditionally kind of good with 7 and 5 if they're like, you know what, we really need that nine and three. That nine and three might get us in the playoffs. We need that. And I, I think some teams could start to head that direction. We're going to take one final break here in hour number two. We'll be back to start to wrap up hour number two of Sports Call right after this. easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn let's get back to sports call on tiger 95.9 feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9 Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brant Dauntry with you here in this Monday edition of Sports Call. About five or six minutes left here in the second hour. So without further ado, let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We got Sam from Pell City on the line. Sam, how are you doing this afternoon? Good. Um, I, I had some questions about... Ole Miss football. Um, so, how do you see this year 
going for them? And do you think they'll get to eight wins, or do you think they'll be less than that? Yeah, I think Ole Miss is uh, in an interesting year because everything had been going so smooth for them uh, up until the Auburn stuff last year. And then you saw them really tailspin at the end of the season with the contract rumors for Kiffin and that sort of thing. So I think it put a little bit more of a emphasis on this season. I think that they've got uh, a really good pathway when you talk about they've always got Vandy in the East. However, they got Georgia this year, which I think is yeah. going to be a loss for them in Athens. Um, really, it depends on stuff like Texas A&M and Arkansas. As I was talking about Arkansas on the other side of the break, I think they're going to have no trouble with Mississippi State. I know Tulane had a big year last year. I would be very disappointed if Ole Miss went down there and and lost that game or lost to Georgia Tech in the in the non conference. So I still feel pretty good about their non conference stuff. Also, got to figure out who's starting a quarterback. If it's Jackson Dart or Spencer Sanders coming over from Oklahoma State. So that that part of it's going to be interesting throughout the year. But I think eight wins is very doable for Ole Miss. Again, I think there's two games that I would rule them out of. For the most part, I just don't see them beating. Alabama or Georgia specifically because they're on the road, especially the Alabama right. game. But but they have access to all the other teams. They even have LSU at home, which granted still will be very difficult. They did look pretty bad against LSU last year, but I, I think eight eight wins is very attainable. Okay, so but if this season goes south for them, do you think Kiffin might be on the hot seat? You know, I, I think we would be a year away from that. I, I think that there would be questions if they went 6-6 six and six or something like that this year or 5-7 and seven and just had a, a really poor year. But since they just gave him the new contract, you know, they're, they're not going to be rushing to conclusions there. Again, it's going to make them a little nervous about it. But I still think we would be – I guess he'd have to have a, a bad year this year and then start out bad or have another bad year the next year before his seat really got uh, red-hot scalding. Okay. What do, you, what do you think the amount of – do you think we could have pulled in more um, talent if we'd hired Lane Kiffin versus what we've got now in Freeze? You know, I, I – I would have thought that maybe portal-wise that could have happened, but when you look at what Auburn ultimately did, I mean, they finished with the second-best portal class, and they were only second to Colorado, who, again, changed really their entire roster. So I'm not sure really how Auburn would have gotten better. They were 40 or 50-something in recruiting when Freeze took over. They they patched together and got a top 25 class. You know, they're working on a top 20 class for this next year. And even Kiffin, you know, some people were a little surprised about the actual high school part of it. He's recruited the portal great, but high school recruiting-wise, he's been a little more questionable. So, honestly, I think Freeze has done as well, if not better, than what Kiffin would have done in the in the first seven or eight months of the job. All right. Um, uh, have just this is kind of a random question. Sure. Have you heard anything about a JT store? Is he in the G League or is he somewhere else? Yeah, so he uh, he had been playing a little bit for the Hornets at the end of last year. Uh, he had not been playing, had the best of times. Uh, they were, you know, as, as teams that are not destined for the playoffs do at the end of the year, they were trying a lot of different things, trying some of their younger guys. And I don't believe right. they sent him to Summer League this year, I guess due to him being in the league for a few years. So as far as I know, I'll double-check and make sure he still has a contract with the Hornets. But I know that he was starting to play 
some real minutes for them down the stretch as they just tried to get a look at what they had. And again, as far as I know, he's still a Hornet, and um, I, I don't I don't think it's just a two way contract. I think it is an NBA contract. All right. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for taking my call, guys. Absolutely, Sam. We appreciate your phone call. That is Sam from Pell City joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Yeah, JT Thor. Again, was looking up, you know, just averaged about four points, two rebounds a game for the Hornets in about 14 minutes a game. Not overly aggressive. Still a very young guy, that tantalizing just wingspan and size for someone that has a pretty smooth jumper. Again, kind of like all the Auburn guys, admittedly, not shooting the three well uh, in the NBA in his career. He's 30.7%. You'd like that to be 37% instead of 30.7%. But uh, JT Thor did, again, get to play a little bit more down the stretch. He actually ultimately played double-checking this, in 69 games uh, last year for the Hornets. So they pretty regularly gave him at least a few minutes, averaged about 14 minutes a game. And, uh, again, to my knowledge, he's still a part of the Hornets organization coming into 2023. We're out of time for hour number two. Straight ahead in hour number three, again, a little bit later, we'll get to the best and worst of the weekend. Of course, more of your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line. Stay tuned. Sports Call, hour number three, coming up next. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now on this Monday. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger FM, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan the Voice. Today I've got Tom Peavy and Brant Daughtry on the show with me. If you missed anything so far, go back and check it out in the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever missed Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. We begin our number three by going to the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the program, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing much better. Thank you, guys. I've uh, been raiding cats and dogs and other kind of uh, items around here, so uh, I uh, unfortunately... Uh, Busted uh, the weather channel to uh, tell me when to go out and get some groceries, and 
didn't work out very well. So, uh, but enough of me whining and complaining. How's your day been going, guys? Uh, a little drier up this way, and yeah. uh, so far been so doing good. all right. All right, and it's you, Brent, and Tom, and then uh, TP the handling of the phone lines, right? Yes, he is. Okay, well, since I missed the first two hours, I may be repeating myself. You guys tell me uh, when, Steve, we already heard it. Sure. All right, so I'm going to go around the sports world, guys. We got a uh, commitment over the weekend. Uh, however, one side, uh, Auburn 247 Sports, has him being a four-star. Uh, some other sides have him a three-star. Um, do you know which is it? Yeah, no, one, uh, the, the site that I'm a four-star was Rivals, and the other three sites had him uh, as a three-star, of course, talking about the commitment of Malik Blockton. And right. look, look, what I would tell you is, yes, he is a, a more of a three-star than a four-star, but if you look at the the other offers he got from Texas, Alabama, Clemson, Florida, etc., cetera, uh, you know, that's clearly a highly touted guy. So while three-star in the ranking, clearly there were, there were big-time programs that uh, were seeing more in him than maybe just the three-star. Yeah, I was wondering because I read – about and uh, was coach made comments about so um, I expect him to be a, a hidden gem. Well, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, obviously you never know, but I think that it's also possible he'll end up going up the rankings a little bit. Of course, they re-rank these guys from time to time, and it's always possible he could end up going there. And so, yeah, again, with those big schools also recruiting, I think that a, a lot of people are thinking that he will uh, develop into something pretty good. All right, well, let's keep moving on to the sports world. Uh, you guys may have already mentioned it. Uh, I thought it was a done deal, but I got a trick question for you, though. When is a resignation not a resignation? Yeah, we have not really uh, talked about the the uh, Bob Huggins stuff yet. I thought it was over a done deal, and then Bleach Reports uh, uh, got their email this morning, and this comes from Jack Murray, and says, Bob Huggins threatened the lawsuit unless reinstated, and he denies resigning after DUI. So I'm reading all this stuff in here because he never resigned from his post. Yet uh, the the people at West uh, at, uh, anyway at West Virginia say that uh, yeah he did he did resign and he told his players that he was uh, no longer their coach and they had got a letter resignation they could have sent uh, from his wife a letter and but now he has attorneys who are disputing that uh, what's what's going on here guys is he uh, or is he not? being factual, or is West Virginia uh, trying to cover their butts? I mean, what, what, what do you think is going on? Yeah, I doubt Bob Huggins is ultimately in the right here, and I, I certainly don't think he'll end up coaching West Virginia ever again. I, I think that, you know, it, there's probably another drunk moment in here somewhere uh, uh, <laughs> okay, where, wow. where Huggins, you know, just – uh, maybe you know shouldn't have uh, wasn't ready to resign, but did it anyway. Uh, I mean, there was a statement and everything uh, coming out on his end uh, when this thing ended. So I, I don't see how he's going to get out of this, and I think it's kind of foolish to pursue this. He's probably trying to pursue more. More realistically, he's probably trying to pursue some sort of a buyout, some sort of financial yeah. compensation for the end of this. But. Uh, I, I I don't see him winning anything significant here. Yeah, it almost reminds me of a Steve Urkel moment where he'd say, "Did I do that?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's it's hard to figure. Uh, this is a big surprise just because it seems like it's such a open and shut cl- uh, case. Okay, and this is after I think what sixteen, seventeen years he's been the head coach. Yeah, he's been in West Virginia a long time. He's been in college basketball a long time. Yeah. But this was not his first offense. I read he'd also made some 
apparently um, comments that were inappropriate. Yeah, uh, just a few months ago. I mean, not yeah. not that long ago. He, he he was already walking on thin ice, and yeah, he he went through the ice. All right, moving on, guys. But the Braves, uh, I was hoping they were going to sweep it. So um, this ten to four loss yesterday was this uh, unexpected or? Uh, how'd that happen? Because I didn't watch. Yeah, game. just uh, just it's baseball. Yeah, it's just baseball. Uh, it was Bryce Bryce Elder was pitching. He, yeah. he just didn't uh, have it, and he didn't have it. And Bryce Elder's a guy that's an all star. I mean, he made the all star team. Yeah, that's what I thought. He said, I mean, he had a he had a rough game of it. But the other thing is, you got to remember, Braves and Rays. That's the two best teams in baseball. So you kind of had to think the Rays were gonna do one, something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it was lopsided. But I mean, Bryce Elder didn't have it. But I mean, the Rays are really good. They're they're yeah, and they, oftentimes. You, you get down early in a game like that, and you have to pull a pitcher early. You don't pitch your best bullpen right. guys, so that's how it can snowball a little bit because you're not you're really not thinking that you have a great chance to win it, so you pitch some of the, the lesser guys in your bullpen. So, yeah. Okay, we'll stick with the Braves real quickly. I got this from uh, Fastball on Fan Nation, and uh, it says that Mr. Uh, Strider um, might be an elite baseball uh, making history during the first half of the season. So I was reading it. I said, Wow, um, he has lowered his season ERA to 3.44, and it says with 11 strikeouts, Strider has perhaps put himself on Cy Young track. Um, and uh, then I went on and saw what they're talking about. He's the second player in the All Star era since 1933. It says to strike out 160 batters and allow 80 hits or fewer into the All Star break. Um, is he a shoe-in guy for a Cy Young Award? No, and absolutely not a shoe-in. He's not even the favorite. Uh, I mean, he. I'm not going to rule him out if he gets hot in the second half. It gets ZRA below three. You know, I know he's got a good record. He's got the strikeout, so he's got some of the elements of a Cy Young, Cy Young pitcher. And to be fair, in the National League, I'm not sure that there is a runaway guy right now. But but certainly, he's not a runaway guy, and uh, he he might get into contention. But he's definitely got work to do. Okay. I saw those stats. Wow, that's pretty incredible uh, stats there. All right. Well, moving on, guys. There is a championship uh, going on today that I did not know about, and it's happening off the coast of Italy. Do you know what I'm referring to? Off the coast of Italy? Uh, um, don't know. Cliff diving. I don't know. There you go. You cheated. Oh, I actually know. Oh, I know. Tom guessed I, that. I, yeah, I honestly guessed it, Steve. Cheat. I am not looking that up. No, I, he I just sneezed God. a second ago. Yeah. He was not looking that up. I guessed that yeah. right. That a boy. Cliff diving. All right. Well, I'm, I'm impressed. How did you come up with guessing cliff diving? Just something. I, 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 just, I honestly, I don't know why. I just, I was watching some cliff diving uh, videos the other day, and I, they just popped into my head randomly. Nice. I, I did not even know that there was a championship in cliff diving. Oh man, yeah. there's championships for if yeah. we can if we can champion hot dog eating, we can champion just about anything. I, I mean, you have yeah, you have happens. colleges that have won national championships in crop judging and meat judging. And meat okay. judging, yes, great okay. stuff. Yeah, moving on, guys, to <laughs> from the absurd uh, to this one. And I said, I, I have I must have watched this at least ten times. And what I'm referring to is Mr. Um, what's his name? Uh, here he is. Mr. Dela Cruz. Yeah, Ellie De La Cruz, yeah. Stole stole second, third, and home. Yeah, well, I watched a video. Did you see how he did it? Yeah, so he, he st- steals third regularly, and then... The pitcher turned his he, back on him yep, with the t- ball in his took hand. Took a big lead, which he you know kept kind of coming off the base. The third baseman made no effort to go cover the bag. 
So then I'll work. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm watching and say, okay, he's just cavalierly uh, walking uh, away from third base, and nobody's doing anything about it. Yeah, no, it was just a complete lack of awareness by mm-hmm. the Brewers. And again, like uh, Tom was saying, once the pitcher turned his back, he was already 20 or 30 feet down the line, so he figured he'd go ahead and uh, he, he got in there. Okay, that. It's bad. I mean, it's it's great by him. It's equally great by him and bad by the Brewers. I think you can both give credit and blame on that one. Yeah. Okay. Moving on, guys. And then I go to wow. Is this really true? This comes from a website called Newser. It says LSU gymnast got absurdly large social media payout. Um, Story by Jen uh, Good Gidman. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Livy Dunn and what, a $500,000 social media post? Is that wow. what it is? Well, I'm reading here with more than 4 million followers on Instagram and 7.6 million fans, really, on TikTok. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, she is the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Cover model, Olivia Dunn, and she has earned the top female social media influencer label with an estimated, hold on, guys, worth of $3.3 million. And yep. climbing. Yep. Yep. Hello, NIL. And, uh, <laughs> I'll leave it at she's able to influence things. This so ain't a football player, not a basketball player, but a gymnast. Yeah, I'm aware. Um, I mean, I just didn't know uh, there was that kind of demand for Steve. Someone. Steve, have you seen pictures of her? Uh, I've seen some, yes. Okay, that, yeah, that's, right. that's yeah. why she's influential. Yep. <laughs> well, uh, to a certain point, crowd i'm sure she is yes well they're the, they're uh, the ones that are spending the money to look at pictures of her and look at videos of her yeah and when asked about this from one interviewer what was her her comment i love this quote i'm very fortunate in the quote no she, yeah yeah uh, she's very Seems fortunate. fair okay uh moving on guys in uh the world of uh college football coming up have you seen phil Steele's uh top 10 pre uh, uh i guess yeah um Preseason top ten, his own top ten. Have you seen his list? Uh, I have not seen it, but we do uh, have access yeah, to a copy. Literally of have the magazine. Yeah, so got the got the book right figure here. Figure this out, where you can give it. You to got us. the book? Yeah, so I've got it right here, guys. Uh, some maybe not really surprises, but number one is of course Georgia, right? Sure. Yeah. Why not? Number two, this surprised me. Clemson. Okay. Oh, okay. Number three, Michigan. Not a surprise. Number four, we fought on hard times, Alabama fans. Alabama. Yeah, sure. The Buckeyes are number five. This would kind of took me by surprise, too, but maybe you guys are not surprised. Penn State, number six. That is a, a bit a, high. Yeah. That's a bit of a take. Okay. Uh, USC, number seven. Not really. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised yeah. by that. And seeing honestly, I think I would have maybe had Southern Cal a little bit higher. Yeah, I could have seen All that. All right. What about number eight, Florida State? Yeah, a lot of things are expected out of them this year. I Look, I don't know. Uh, they still need to prove it and have a big year, but they certainly had a big finish to the year with Jordan Travis and, and company. And that Florida State-LSU game to start the year is, is going to be a very, very important game. Well, speaking of LSU, Brian, number nine. Yep, makes sense. Definitely feel like a, a preseason top ten team. Well, it, well, it, it makes sense. But I mean, you're it Phil still is going on the assumption that Alabama is going to win the West this year and not LSU. A lot of people are picking Probably. LSU to win the West again. 
Okay. Are they that loaded? I mean, they're but they're a good team. A good I team. mean, I, I don't know. They weren't really loaded last year, but they won the West. I don't know if I agree that they're going to win the West with that game being in Tuscaloosa right. this year. But I mean, some people are picking them. That is real. And with Jane Daniels at quarterback, they've got an advantage that most of these other schools in the conference don't. I mean, Jane Daniels is going to walk in, and I think even if Jane Dan- Jane Daniels is just okay this year, he's going to end up being a top three quarterback in the league. So. Uh, you know they they do have that advantage, and, and Brian Kelly has obviously proven uh, to be a really good coach, and even in just one year at LSU, turned that around pretty quickly. So I, I think there's just there's justifiable optimism there. All right, he's been finally around the top ten. This team, I don't know why, uh, gets a lot of love almost every year. What Notre Who am Dame? I talking about? Notre Dame or why Texas or one they of them in his top ten? Why 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 Notre Dame? Why do they get so much love, guys? Every year. Yeah, the brand recognition. I mean, for a lot of it, I mean, look, they, they had their playoff travails with Kelly, and they they lacked the ability to win that type of game for a while. They did have a lot of 10 and 11 win seasons there for, for a while. Now with Freeman, look, that's a, a little bit less proven of a commodity, right? And I know that they fixed things last year. They got off to like that one and three star, and uh, they were throwing picks, and they – just, I think they lost. What was it, Marshall that they lost to, and 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 things were going back to their credit. They were a very different team at the end of the year. I think they rattled off seven or eight in a row. So uh, th- that is probably why that's factoring in there again, along with brand and name recognition and that sort of thing. But it, 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 at least they had become a completely different team by the end of last year. They were not the team they were the first quarter of the year. Okay, uh, fair enough there, except. You know, I know, and you guys know that typically when they get in the the playoff championships, they lay an egg. Right, and I and I just referred to that, but you know, I mean, look at number ten. I mean, that's not saying they're a playoff team. Obviously, everyone in that area to start the year will be in playoff contention, contention, or is expected to be. But look, if you finish number ten, this is the last year where you're for sure not in there. So, uh, I, I I totally agree with that. And with Freeman, it is. Uh, a different day, so maybe they have just worse teams overall, or maybe if they ever get in the big game, they win it with him. But, um, but yeah, no, I understand that there's always a feeling that there are a few spots overvalued. And then Mr. Fieldsfield comes with his dark horse contender. Who do you think he picked? Dark, uh, I don't know, Texas or something like that? No, no, this is a bit of a surprise here, for me anyway. Okay. Washington Huskies. Hmm, okay. They still got Michael Penix. I mean, Penix is going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the country this year. It's a good place to start. Uh, I don't know I don't know Washington's schedule off the top of my head. I don't know if they've got USC or Oregon. and I assume they got Oregon, but I don't know because they're in the same division, but I don't know if they got USC or something like that. But this, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. USC, don't they? Uh, I'll double-check it. I'll try and figure okay. out their schedule. But Anyway, yeah. he made uh, the Washington Huskies made his most improved list. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I, I think – I don't know, admittedly, the rest of their football team. Like, I don't know – and I'm looking at their schedule now. They do have uh, at USC. Uh, so that's going to be a tough one. They got Utah um, and they got Oregon. That's all kind of in the second half of the year. I, the, the at Michigan State game is going to be interesting on September the 16th. That's the third game of the year for them. They've actually got a, for my money, for a Pac-12 team, a respectably difficult challenge. I mean, that's really, except for UCLA, that's the best teams in the league besides them, Oregon, USC, Utah. And then Michigan State at Michigan State, that's a reputable uh, 
you know, non-conference game. You know, so I look. I, I think schedule-wise, they would have to be very proven. But what I mean, that was an eleven-win team last year, and Penix did light it up. So, I mean, it's not completely earth-shattering. I don't think. Okay, and according to ESPN's computer, who do they say has the toughest schedule? Toughest schedule in the SEC? Arkansas. No. Uh, Ole Miss. No, wrong, wrong. Division. Auburn. No, wrong division. Wrong division. East team. Florida? Yes. Vandy. Florida. Oh, Florida. Okay. Yeah, I thought it would be the Vanderbilt, but they, they said Florida. All right. Well, Florida's got Florida State, and we know that they're going to be valued highly this year. Obviously, they've got Georgia, which is difficult. Uh, West games, they've always got LSU. So that's a, uh, a highly valued game. I'm struggling to think of the – other stuff they've got, but I mean that's a that's a good place to start. Those are three top ten teams. Okay, uh, moving on, guys. Uh, I see where we had uh, two first round uh, draft picks in major uh, by major league baseball yesterday, and then two more today in the uh, what second eighth rounds? Is that right, or what, or third and eighth rounds? Or were they mm-hmm. Where and Foster? Yeah, so uh, Cole Foster was third round to the Tigers, and then about an hour ago now in the eighth round to Philadelphia, Bryson Ware got drafted. So hopefully they will return, right, Wayne Foster? Uh, I don't know if uh, – I don't think that yeah, – can I'm, they? I'm not sure if they – I'm not I'd sure have if they to double-check if they even can. I don't think Foster would return if he could in the third round. I could be wrong. Where – Ware had like a 24 home run season. If he's only getting picked eighth round with that, I don't know what else he would do to to greatly change his equation. And again, I I don't know the eligibility stuff on them. I, I was kind of counting them as no. gone. But now, uh, Steve, the two biggest are the two first rounders that went that were there have signed with Auburn. Uh, they're obviously not going to be coming here. I mean. They got picked in the first round, so a couple three million, four million. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then well, but but then a little bit ago, and here guys, oh, go I thought that if you didn't get picked in the first two rounds, that it's not well, the money isn't that great, and you should come back. Am I wrong? Uh, it, uh in the first two rounds, it, it's hard to say. I mean, because you still get pretty decent money in the third round. Um, once you start getting really, really late, it, it's kind of up to it. But I mean, it just it. it there's a lot of these guys that just don't want to go to college. They'd rather go ahead and start their pro career and, and get going. Well, and the high school guys were all first round, so right, we're just talking yeah. Foster and oh, yeah. Ware at this point. But, you know, again, I, my point would be, like, what is Bryson Ware, what's Bryson Ware going to do to get picked second and third round? Is he going to hit, have to hit 30 home runs? Is he going to have to hit 400? I mean, I'm serious. I mean, is if he, he had 20-something ceiling? homers, yeah. He's, he's at his ceiling yeah. for what's going to happen with him. Okay. All right, and then finally, guys, maybe we can have more time to talk about this tomorrow. But then I got this, um, saw this article caught my attention uh, from uh, Matt Pavick, I guess, from the Spun. Uh, says, former Northwestern player reportedly said ESPN is probably a screenshot. Do you know about that? Uh, yeah, so Pat, Pat Fitzgerald, the head coach at Northwestern, is he's he's in a lot of trouble right now. And they, uh, there was a – screenshot of a whiteboard that was in the locker room that yeah. had uh basically um hazing stuff that was on there but now you've also had three players that have come out and have accused northwestern and the in the uh, the coaching staff and all of some uh, racial inequalities or racial harassments and things like that and, and the problem that pat fitzgerald is running into is he's saying mainly with the uh uh 
the hazing stuff is that he didn't know what was going on. Well, the whiteboard is in the middle of your locker room. It's, it's kind of hard to say that you didn't know what was going on when the, the, the board with it all written down is literally in the middle of the locker room. So I, I think he's in a lot of trouble with that. Do you know what one of the hazing items were? Because I didn't know what they were referring to. One of the hazing items they were talking about was called a tradition called running. I said, what is running? Uh, it was used to punish players, primarily freshmen, for any mistakes they made in practice. And what would happen, uh, according to this anonymous uh, player, is that they would be restrained, uh, the person, by a group of eight to ten upperclassmen dressed in various purge-like masks. I saw the purge. I've seen those. Who would then begin dry humping the victim in a dark locker room? Wow. Yeah, that's pretty bad. And this stuff has been going on. We don't know for how long. It could be a long period of time. Yeah. And yet, it never got out until now. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a bad situation. Okay. Well, uh, that's all I've got, guys. And then tomorrow, I'll give you a list of things that Mr. Charles Barkley has done that made a lot of people I sure didn't know. But he has done uh, with all um, his money that uh, he earns uh, um, from TNT and you name it. Sure. So, uh, that, guys, is all I've got today. I thank you for your time. I will now continue to dry myself out. And until tomorrow afternoon, have a safe afternoon and evening, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve. Appreciate your phone call as always. That is retired Ward AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to go to our next timeout on the show when we come back, the best and worst of the weekend. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you're currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan Lavoy, Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy. Just ignore me, Brant. I was, I was, I was having just, an issue I'm, over I'm, I'm, here. I'm trying to like focus, but you're you're fixing yeah. an issue. I think a cat got in here, so I'm sorry. Oh, fair enough. Hey, uh, you, want, you want something that will make you feel really bad? Always. Yeah, that's what I aim for in life, things that make me feel bad. Right. Go ahead. All right, so Kevin McGonigal, the uh, superstar high school baseball player yeah. that was signed with Auburn that was a first-round draft. 35th or 37th, yeah. Uh, uh, 
I didn't. Thirty whatever. Yeah, he was in the thirties. But he was yeah he was a top, he was a first round draft yeah. pick. Uh, the slot, the money slot that he is in, two point three one yeah. million dollars. Nice. Yeah. So that we nice. talked about that a little bit earlier. A dadgum high school kid. Yeah. Yeah. Two point three million dollars. I don't know what I would do with two point three million dollars. Probably just uh, look at it for a little while. Just stare at the number. Just stare at the number. It's like stare that, at the number, or if I can get like a phys- like, yeah. like that, physical like, cash, just stare at the is, pile. That, that is in my bank account. Can I get that in ones? Like, <laughs> I just, I just, yeah. I hope just you got a whole house back. for just the ones. Then. Yeah. yeah. That twenty dollars in there sure did get big all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> Man, the interest rates have gone way up. Uh Great CE rates I've gotten. Uh, Auburn also had a uh, – we talked about Kevin McGonigal, Colt Emerson, 22nd overall to the Mariners. Uh, we talked about the current players, but then a little while ago, uh, Sam uh, Mongelli, I think is his name. Mongelli. No idea. Uh, he had committed to Auburn. From, he was a uh, transfer from Sacred Heart University. He had committed to Auburn, and he was picked 10th round, thir- uh, 310th overall. Kind of surprised everybody. Don't know that if uh, – Tenth round is going to yeah, make him know. forego, but that's another Auburn commitment. Something to watch out for. It, it is because it's somebody that was not on really a radar, but he got drafted, and so don't know. There sure. may be another guy that was supposed to be coming to Auburn that may not make it to campus. Definitely see in the coming days. This process won't take long. These guys typically sign pretty quick so that they right. can get into the minor leagues and stuff before this season ends. Uh, so probably won't wait long, but uh, we will see. Starting to run lower on time here on this Monday edition of the show, so let's get to a segment that we do each and every Monday, Time for Best and Worst. Now, time for the best and worst No, no, no! of the weekend. Best and worst of the weekend. Tom, you want to leave us off today? Sure. Uh, My best was the fact that I was in Florida. Yeah. I mean, you were on vacation. I was on vacation. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and it, yeah. Granted, it was weekend. It was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Came back Sunday. So yeah, it is the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is nice being down there. We were in Navarre, Florida. Is where we stayed. Uh, we did make a day trip over to Destin. Um, ate some amazing seafood over in Destin. Did a lot of shopping. Uh, got some cool stuff at some of the mall, the little malls over there around Destin. Looked around, did some stuff in Destin, uh, and then Saturday we went over to Pensacola to the Blue Angel show and and did that deal. I did a whole lot of saltwater fishing. Uh, I did surf fishing for the first time and caught nothing because I. We've talked about how much I like to bass fish here, uh, but you know I'm I'm good with that. I'm still learning the saltwater deal. Uh, so nothing surf fishing other than fish stealing my bait. But now off of my private pier that we had there at the condo that we stayed at, I actually caught a shark uh, Saturday. So first time ever, I hooked a shark and got it to the pier before we cut it loose. So I caught a shark. That yay, is yay me. That is solid. I, yeah. I will probably never do. I will never do that. It was fun. Uh, I wish that. Uh, you said how big? You said it was six feet. Uh, it it was. Uh, I, I'm thinking more weight wise. I, I couldn't measure it, but I mean, weight wise, it felt like is that you know, it was a nurse shark. Um, it was. I, I'm estimating you know forty to fifty pounds. So I mean, not a giant shark right. like Jaws type yeah. shark or the Meg. Yeah, and you know it wasn't like that. But you know, yeah. 
you're talking like the size of a very very large catfish is and that's even what it felt like on the line it didn't fight hard it it felt like a really big it felt like it was time to see the light it felt like a great big (laughs) it felt like a giant catfish that you would catch on the way down yonder on the chattahoochee uh Man, but it was not a catfish; it was a shark. (laughs) It is appropriate that you caught a shark, or I mean, you—it would have been appropriate just to see them, but to catch one, even there's just been—I—I don't know why there's just been more sharks around the the coastline this year, and I—I don't know why. I'm sure there is. They're coming. It's just marine biologists. They're coming. We should stay (laughs) out of the ocean. (laughs) The the thing is, though, um, sharks have always been common in the Gulf of Mexico. They're just getting reported on more and more now. And there have been some uh, attacks, I guess, here and there. But I mean, the the sharks didn't just suddenly appear. I mean, the piers around Okaloosa Island, Navarre, all the way down to Pensacola and Orange Beach. I mean, those sharks have been prevalent around those piers for quite a while now. So uh, it's not uncommon. So that's a solid best. Yeah. Brant, what you got for best? Uh, my best is going to be just visiting friends and family over the weekend. Uh, always good to make a trip over there. Wanted to do one more before we got to media days, and things got really busy. Going to try to visit one more time before uh, football season starts, but uh, or, or the school year also, since I'm starting school again. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but, uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, – well, I – yeah, it just it just everything that I did this weekend uh, was awesome, and it was great to be back home. Can I use a be- my best from two weekends ago where I ate steak at Fogo de Chao? No, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, best of the weekend, I guess, is I got. I don't know if it's really weekend. Just I got keys to uh, my new apartment last week, and I've been working on the the move into that and. Uh, new chapter. I've lived in my uh, former residence since college. Uh, I've lived there seven years, a couple years in college, plus five or so. Good Lord, saying this out loud, that's a long time to live one place. But uh, lived uh, lived there for a couple years in college, then five years once I finished uh, this lease up. So I guess best just getting the keys to the next uh, next chapter, basically, and really happy with the place so far and going to get – fully moved in there soon so uh best of the weekend just kind of moving on to a new chapter of living situation all right worst of the weekend uh worst of the weekend i gotta go back down to florida uh saturday at the blue angel show yeah while it was great being there and seeing all that stuff and it was cool seeing the blue angels unfortunately a huge huge storm started rolling in on everybody and i mean it got nasty it, well i say nasty it, it ended up raining a lot pouring down but i'm talking like those nasty ominous black death clouds like rolling in and so much so that the blue angels had to cut their show short um we noticed uh i was standing next to a guy that had watched we were talking and he had watched a lot of their shows and they did a maneuver and we noticed that one of their uh blue angels didn't even come completely over what they call the center point he kind of bugged out and went and he said oh he's like they just aborted that and he's like i think they're gonna call it and then they all kind of gathered up out over the Gulf, all the group of them, and in their final presentation and came by, and that was it. And it's like, dang, that's supposed to be a 45-minute show, and I think we might have gotten 15 to 20 minutes out Man, of it. Yeah, that does suck. So, um, yeah, a lot of the really, really cool stuff we didn't even get to see because they, the storm just – it was starting to roll in too bad. And so, yeah, you go for a, you go down there to Pensacola for the Blue Angel show, and you only get a portion of it. So it was unfortunate, but it's still cool to see what we got to see. 
Yeah, that sucks. I mean, I saw uh, I saw pictures as it always happens down there, and there's so many people down there. Oh my gosh! I'll packed. get into my worst in just a second, but I, I, I feel you on the the rain type of stuff, Brant. Uh, it's tough to think of a worse, you know. I had a really good, good weekend. I, I yeah, it's a it's a great place to be. Uh, the Braves losing the third game of that uh, that series with the Rays, but like we said earlier, they took two out of three, so it's tough to be too upset about it. Um, Maybe being uh, sleepy. Yeah, sleepy, <laughs> and, and and in conjunction with being sleepy, uh, I drove two hours today, and I don't like driving long distances. Not that two hours is a super long distance, and. Not that I hate driving, it's just, I don't know, I, I woke up, I ate lunch with my mom, and I was like, all right, I gotta go. And uh, then I drove two hours, and now I'm here. It's different when you're commuting to work or something like yeah. that. Like, if you're on a trip, I think we're all much better on the long, long trip side mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, if I had to, like, as, as good as I am to go drive seven hours to Tampa, seven, eight, nine times a year, if I was driving to work, and some, look, some, I'm, I'm going to say this, and some of you out there might be doing this right now and be like, I'm fine with it. But if I had to drive an hour to work every day, like if I was commuting to Montgomery or something or going over to Columbus, that's just not for me, uh, even as much as I do enjoy driving and can drive on long trips. It's, I get that. When you're when you're driving to do something that you ultimately are not as ecstatic about or having to do all the time, right. I think it would be a little bit of a different dynamic. My worst of the weekend, uh, not as personal as Tom because he had an experience with the rain and with the with the elements but again i use this to talk about nascar it's my little like hey this is a sport i enjoy here's my two minutes on it uh i just loathe that the rain continues to play havoc to nascar and all the events that they're trying to put on Uh, it was an incredibly fun race with uh atlanta motor speedway last night they're doing a night race atlanta first time in about a decade and I, i really enjoyed uh, the racing, it's become a drafting track, as we talked a little bit about last week, and I thought the racing was stellar there. And it did, the threat of rain added a more frantic element to it. There was a lot more passing, a lot of aggressiveness. There was not the big wreck, just a couple of little ones. And it was just really good racing and hated to see it end about 80 laps short. Um, as, you know, the week before, NASCAR had a delay because of the Chicago race getting rained on and had to cancel all those events. So, again, just... Very frustrated. I know it's not in anyone's control, uh, and so it's not me. It's 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 kind of like old. It's, I'm not old, but it's like old man yells at cloud basically, and I'm trying to tell the cloud not to rain every single time there's a NASCAR Cup Series event going on. Uh, but definitely frustrating to see one of the more entertaining races of the season cut 70, 80 laps short and and uh, that sort of thing. So always hate when that happens. We're going to go take one final break in the show today. When we come back, uh, we'll have the nightly TV guide. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. to call into the show send us your thoughts via email you've got mail sports call at the tiger.fm this is former auburn football player danny skutak and you are listening to the abby award-winning sports call auburn
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brian Daughtry, Tom Peavy, our intern C.P. Hammock, doing a great job running the board and taking your phone calls today. We do have one last bit of breaking news before we get to the nightly TV guide. We were talking to Steve a little bit about it about a half hour ago, and we really didn't get into this. Again, we like to let details develop before we give uh, opinions and go on record talking about serious things. But uh, Northwestern has fired head coach Pat Fitzgerald. That's longtime head coach after these uh, hazing allegations that uh, were very severe and pretty wide-ranging on a timetable basis. It seemed like it had been going on for a while, and Pat Fitzgerald had been there a while. You mentioned, Tom, the, you know, the whiteboard in the locker room. I don't think there's a whiteboard in the locker room that a coach can't see, and yep, uh, right. that, that seems to add up, and so Pat Fitzgerald has been fired. Yep. And, and there was the hazing allegations, and then again there, uh, there was reports. I think Barrett Sally had a story today uh, recounting there's three players that were now accusing of some uh, uh, racial inequalities, racial harassments, uh, guys that were made to cut their hair to fit a certain form, but then white guys with similar hair were not forced to cut their hair. Uh, jokes that were made by assistants towards a uh, Hispanic player, um, you know, just some other things that are now coming out along with the hazing. So it's kind of as happens a lot of times when one bad things happen, one bad thing happens, more folks from the past then start kind of piling onto it, and it ends up being this huge snowball. And uh, so yeah, it appears that Northwestern has now fired Pat Fitzgerald. Pat Fitzgerald, goodness gracious, I can't talk. Uh, and just like I was saying with Steve, it, it didn't sound good for him. And I said I thought he was going to probably be in a lot of trouble with it. Didn't realize it was going to be so quick. But, yeah, he, he was about in as in bad a trouble as you could get with the university, and he's no longer there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, multiple players coming forward with, with multiple different things, and uh, apparently evidence provided as well. Uh, the, the whistleblowing player apparently had photos uh, of the whiteboard that Tom was just talking about and, uh, you know, multiple provided details. And there was apparently a lot of evidence to support his claims and not just uh, other players backing him up, even though other players did back him up. And at that point, it's pretty indefensible to uh, to keep around a guy like Pat Fitzgerald uh, in, in light of everything that happened. So uh, I think Northwestern's making the right move here. Yeah, and again, just a, a disappointing end. We'll probably get into it a little bit tomorrow, too. But uh, Fitzgerald was, for context, again, a guy that had been really, really well-liked at Northwestern for a long period of time. He was healing a program that uh, is hard to have the same levels of success as others. Uh, and, again, from what we saw on the outside, seemed to be running a very respectable uh, program for what it was and when they also i mean under his guidance i mean they built that huge new facility right, right there on yeah, the shore real, yeah i mean he was doing a lot to try to get that program up but you know that's the thing you just as as fans and even as reporters most of the time you see things from the outside but you know you're not in behind closed doors they, even the 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 reporters that are the tightest in with the program are not allowed in behind those closed doors and so everything may look good on the outside you know but once you really get in there deep within the into the trenches of the athletic program and you know what goes on like i said behind those closed doors you may end up finding there's a some some stinky stinky issues there and that's that appears to be the case with northwestern pat vigil seemed like a great dude on the outside program seemed great on the outside great things going on winning some ball games building great facilities and uh 
working on a new stadium because they're in a very antiquated stadium that has been around since like the 1930s, I think. Talks of getting a new stadium built. All that sounded great, but on the inside, there was bad stuff going on that finally came to light, and he's now out of a job. Just another minute or so left in the program today. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Tonight, we'll start with the movie pick, 6 o'clock on Nickelodeon. It's the original Despicable Me. 6 o'clock on TNT, it's Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I heard the previous installment that they uh, just released was quite good. I have not seen it, but I have heard the same. Uh, Then in the sports world tonight, 2023 Home Run Derby, 7 o'clock on ESPN. Again, the All-Star facilities, if we've not mentioned, are taking place in Seattle. So a little bit bigger of a ballpark there, but I'm sure there'll still be some big shots. Uh, happening tonight. 7 o'clock on ESPNU, Dallas Mavericks, Philadelphia 76ers in the G League, and then also 9 o'clock on ESPNU, Minnesota Timberwolves and Utah Jazz in the G League. No Walker Kessler. He is uh, already proven to be even above the G League, uh, so he will be um, he will not be in that one. He's getting ready for the uh, FIBA World Cup, actually, with Team USA. He made that roster. And that is Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. That will do it for the show today. Brant, thank you for making the journey uh, from your uh, your parents' home today. And uh, we'll see you again later this week. Thank you for having me. And uh, Mr. Tom Peavy, I'm sorry your vacation is over. And I uh, hope you get what you're reaching for on the floor. And uh, we'll see you again tomorrow. <laughs> I'll be here now, getting ready to pluck up, I guess. Uh, yes, sir. We have uh, Thunder Chicken Softball. Also, a town name Tuesday coming up oh, in the show tomorrow. So, again, very excited about that. So, we appreciate all those that tune in and called in today for Brant Daughtry and Tom Peavy and our intern TP Hammock for running the board and taking your phone calls. I'm Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.